son of Jarrell! Kneel before Sod! Snoochie boochies! <laughs> tonight because we are giant nerds for numerous TV shows that are on, and Lucas is well-versed in, well, pretty much all things geek, it, it would appear. I've been friends with him on Facebook for uh, some years now, and um, I was like all the things that he posts and links to and he does plugs for, so... I've been eager to get him on the podcast. We finally got a chance to do that. So, um, Lucas, do me a favor. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, I'm just a uh, guy who loves everything geek. Um, got into crossovers about almost 20 years ago. Uh, putting different characters from different mediums together. Uh, goes back to my days, you know, look at the Philip Jose Farmer, Walt Newton universe, so um, it's, it's been, you know, a fun time. This is probably the best time to be a geek at this time. I mean, you got uh, characters that have certain similarities to each other, so you get interested, and um, now we got a whole wealth of movies, television shows, video games, um, this is the best time to be a fan. Um, if you want to get into it, better get into it right now because everything has its time in the sun. Uh, this is our time. Yeah, how long until the bubble bursts? I don't know, uh, and I don't want to find out. Me either. I give it maybe a decade at best, but uh, right now things are riding high, so this is the time to get into it. Um, definitely the time. This is, I mean, I've heard it said before that this is the golden age of the geek, and boy, I, I couldn't agree with that more. Um, and good time to raise 
uh, kids in in a time when geeky culture is well, it's sort of the norm now. I mean, you're not you know, kids of all ages can wear t-shirts with superheroes and Star Wars and and uh, video games to school and everybody's just okay with it. Unlike yeah. sometimes when we went to school. Um, Absolutely. So, so you've been, so you've been, well, like me, you've been a fan since long before it was actually cool to be a fan of this stuff, but I'll tell you what, they go back 15, 20 years ago, would you have ever believed that comic book movies would have become, like, such a big deal? I mean, X-Men came along after Blade hit it huge, way bigger than any of the anticipation, but would you have ever believed that all of a sudden those two movies were going to lead to, well, what's happened? No, I wouldn't have thought it, uh, J.D. Um, and the thing is, is this, it's kind of gotten to a point now where people have gotten so jaded because they're getting so much of the content now um, that they're always expecting bigger and bigger. But I remember a time when, I mean, we were coming out of Superman, Batman in the uh, 1990s. Uh, it was a weird time back then um, because nobody knew things would get to this level. I would say that the, about the uh, actual damn busted when uh, Spider-Man came on. Um, X-Men and Blade definitely led the way, but it definitely was Spider-Man that pretty much just set the whole course going. Um, it was almost like, okay, now we've arrived. And it was needed. I mean, we had just gone through 9-11, and there was this need for heroes. There was this need for security and saying, we're going to make it past this. And so... Theater in 1989, and wondering. I mean, it was a, it was a big hit, 
but you know you wonder after that uh will we get any more batman movies will will, will the audience respond and boy they sure as hell did i mean i can put batman on the list of like five or six tim burton movies that that i really enjoy um and, uh, and that includes both the ones that he directed and the ones that he's just produced. I mean, a lot of his stuff doesn't strike the right chord for me, but I look back at Batman and then Batman Returns, and I think that's a, that's my Batman. Like, they're... And then they were followed up by those ridiculous Joel Schumacher movies. Absolutely. And then... Schumacher almost ended it all, man. He really did. It took about Batman Begins to everything that get reset again and thank god because for a while i thought we were never going to get any content related to batman i mean they did Bird, birds of prey um you had the dc uh animate universe under bruce tim and paul dini you know doing their thing and opening that up so they were keeping the fires going but schumacher almost tanked it and i know a lot of people are fans and said, oh no, they'll make their excuses, but the tone completely changed, especially by the time we got to Batman and Robin. I mean, that, in 1997, I was going to go see that movie, and I walked out, eventually, and I said, I can't believe I just saw that. Uh, I can't believe Arnold Schwarzenegger signed off on this. I can't believe that Chris O'Donnell and George Clooney were okay with that you know, on screen. And like I said, some people, they love it, and God bless them. If that's what you love, that's what you love. But um, I was expecting more of the same or something better out of the Burton universe. And I realized with Schumacher, he had changed the whole tone. They had gotten back to, like, the 1960s Adam West, you know, Burton wore Batman by that time. And um, that was not something that, you know, we were looking for, you know. If we wanted that, we just watched Batman the movie back in 1966 because um, we were looking for something on the level of what Paul, of Paul Dini and Bruce Tim were doing and so forth. And on that end, you know, it was all sevens, you know. Everything was just going great. We eventually got um, Justice League. We eventually got Justice League Unlimited. Uh, Batman Beyond, it was just, it was great, but on the live action uh, area, it was going to be until we got uh, the Chris Nolan films that we had something, but if you look at it in context with the Nolan films, it was always supposed to be specific. They were never ever going to go outside of Gotham. It wasn't going to happen uh, because it was too much of a realistic tone, but uh, here we are, and now we got Ben Affleck, you know, pretty much being the Tony Stark of his universe, going recruiting other heroes and so forth. So, in some sense, he's both um, Nick Fury as well as just the um, Tony Stark that we know of and so forth. But they're going to have to really get their uh, game up. They're going to have to look back to the past, look at what made Batman 1989 so special. Because right now, there's you know, people, they joke around, they say, hey, the DCEU means DC Extended Universe, Extended, you know, cut, you know, universe, which means we're not getting the full effect until we get an extended cut after the fact. And that's a disservice to people who want to go to the movies, because that's the case, we might as well just stay home 
and just wait for the extended cut of all these films. I agree with that because I remember reading that there would be no extended cut of Suicide Squad. That and here we are. Yep, sure enough, they announced the DVD, and uh, and then shortly thereafter they announce, oh yeah, it turns out yeah we're going to do an extended cut and. A lot of the collective reaction I saw was, well, duh, why didn't you just say that earlier? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then, and then, now, well, you mentioned that the, the TV series that, or the DC shows that Greg Berlanti's making, and God, that guy, man, he has struck the magic formula. He, he, he is kicking ass. On every front, I, I remember. I remember reading. Um, I didn't watch the first season of Arrow because, at the time, I don't know if it's because I didn't have cable, or if it was just a matter of the cable system didn't have. I don't know if it's because I. I think they didn't have the CW on there or something. But I remember I didn't watch it. And then the second season, I tried to watch. I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm really lost in here. And then, and then, they launched the Flash as a spinoff. And all of a sudden, I was inspired to go back and watch it because after like a half a season of Flash, I was absolutely in. I mean, no, I mean, from the first episode of Flash, I was in. But, but by the by the time the that season break happened. I was totally in, and I'm like, oh, keep, let's keep it going, let's keep extending it, and then, and then they announced Legends of Tomorrow, I remember the first, remember the first rumors about Legends of Tomorrow is that they were going to launch a spinoff that basically starred uh, Captain Cold and White Canary, and I remember reading the news thinking, that's, that's odd, like, why those characters, and then, and then, you know, we got more news about it, and and we we found out that they were going to include other characters, and then that they were going to make it a time travel show. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, that's going to be amazing! And from the first episode of that, I was hooked. I mean, and they they didn't they really I I I don't ever think they steered in the wrong direction on that show. I know I, I read some mixed stuff about it, but man, they kept the fun. They kept the spirit, and I like the time. I like the time hopping, um, and uh, and then and then oh, oh when when CBS launched Supergirl, I just remember thinking to myself, well, it's an CBS is an odd choice for a channel, but uh, I just uh, well I figured if uh, Greg Berlanti's involved, I mean if if, it, if it's his show that they were going to hit on all cylinders and they absolutely did um i mean it was from the outset it was fun um what do you think when they actually because i know for a long time on that show they there were rumors that that flash would be on the show but wasn't cbs dismissing that at first yeah well that's the thing that's the uh, tactic that all these producers use. Um, anytime they realize that people are getting um, close to realizing that something's about to happen, 
um, they have to throw shade on it. They have to say, oh, no, 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 you heard something wrong, and so forth. It's almost like they have to be the ones in control of the release of that information. So that goes without saying. I knew that they were going to have to do it. You see, Supergirl is almost like the second uh, golden egg that they got because in some sense it opens up a whole new multiverse that's outside of even what was discovered in um, The Flash because what we have really is until either they do a true flashpoint and bring everything under one house we have another universe where we have a Supergirl and a Superman and other characters that are completely and totally able to operate now, when the Flash and Supergirl came in, that buddy, that was like heaven. That was. I was, like, I was like saying, okay, we can do this, but we have to get my girl to the CW. It has to happen. Because the thing is, is this, CBS, much like with ABC and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, they, the audience that they actually want are a lot older than even us. See, I'm 37, going to be 38 next year. I'm um, 36, going on 37. And exactly. They're, they're looking for people like in their 50s and 60s with these big, uh, the big three, ABC, uh, CBS, NBC. <coughs> um, so the CW is where the Berlanti verse should have always been. But I guess they didn't have an open slot and so forth. So when she finally arrived to the CW... And now we got, it, I'm, I swear to God, and you possibly saw my um, Facebook uh, post when I said I was re-watching um, The Adventures of Supergirl and The Children of Krypton. That was the best two-parter episodes I have seen in a very, very, very long time. <coughs> and I'm talking to some of my friends that said, we have got to give Tyler Eklund his own series, because this kid here, he gets... Clark Kent. He's Superman. Oh. Let me say that, you know, that Henry Cavill can't eventually get to that level. But right now, it's almost like on that end, we're looking like at an Earth One Superman. You know, the world is a lot darker. I mean, I, and that's how I have to look at it. The DCEU is pretty much Earth One. It's pretty much everybody in on the grind. And so if you look at it from that end, you can understand and possibly enjoy that uh, series or that series of movies a lot better. But if you really want the old classic uh, Christopher Reeve um, style of action, you know, that levity, you know, that smile, that wink, then you're going to come over to the Berlantiverse. Now, in the Berlantiverse, you still got Arrow. And I consider Arrow to pretty much be Hulk. You know, classic... 1930s, 1940s pulp. The guy was stuck on an island, quote unquote, comes back, and he winds up becoming a vigilante, knocking out, you know, targets in the first season. And then from there, he gets his team, and his team tells him, dude, you can't keep doing this. You can capture him, but you can't just go off and just start killing people like he did, and so forth. So they have kind of like tonally have shifted that. And then, of course, you got Felicity, who's pretty much his Barbara Gordon, you know, slash Oracle. Um, you got, you know, John Diggle, which broke my heart, buddy, when they did not make, did not reveal that he was actually John Stewart and make him the green um, 
Lantern because if any other person on television was supposed to be a Green Lantern, it's John Diggle. I agree. To put him in that uh, stupid uh, Magneto helmet. And, <laughs> and here he is, you know, being his universe version of the Guardian or whatever. And now, you know, spoilers, the boy's back in the army uh, doing his thing and so forth. And I'm just hoping with him that we'll either get either a somewhat like espionage or paramilitary series with just Diggle where we get like Checkmate and um, King Faraday and Spiral and so forth and they can push on that end. Now coming back to the Flash, Flash man, I mean, dear God, is some of the best this season alone and I'm going to have to definitely rewatch it tonight. Um, because they're setting things up on all these different shows, man. I mean, we are seeing that the gathering storm, if I was to put a Doctor Who, you know, phrase to it. Oh, yeah. And we thought it was bad under Vandal Savage with our Legends of Tomorrow and Damien Dark. But imagine if, in fact, we get a situation of a Legion of Doom scenario that has to bring in Arrow. Um, has to bring in the Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, Superman, if he shows back up again, to actually deal with this situation altogether. Um, it's going to be massive. It's going to be crazy. And like I said, this is the best time to be alive, to see all this, because we used to dream about this. Wouldn't it be interesting if this and this and this happened, and some of our friends would say, you're crazy, whatever. And these producers... Are us? Yeah, that was the same question, and they have made this happen. I was saying they're totally, <clears throat> they're totally us. It, it's it's a lot like <clears throat> it's a lot like that guy that's that's uh, uh, what's his name, Gareth Edwards, that's making the Star Wars Rogue One movie. He grew up. He's a fan. He's a he he's he even said making the movie. It, it's like when you're in the sandbox and you're a kid playing with your Star Wars figures. I get to make my own adventure, and this Berlanti guy. Yeah, he's channeling what what we wanted to see. It's crazy because when I watched Flash, I liked I liked everybody on the show so much that when they had their first crossover with Arrow, I just remember saying to myself, "Well, everybody on Arrow, all of a sudden, the their 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 collective spirit was lighter, and it was like, wow, they." They've even managed to make Oliver Queen a funny personality on there. You know, he smiles, he goes out and uh, and and you know he 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 uh, and then and then when they when they brought him back uh, the second time uh, or for the for the second crossover when when uh, you know when Cisco <coughs> um, you know when Cisco geeked out meeting Arrow's team. It, it made me so, and then, and then we we got to see the Flash cross into uh, Supergirl's universe. Uh, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm just thinking to myself, I can't wait for Cisco and Wynn and Mister Terrific to meet and totally just nerd out for like yes, five minutes. Yes, yes, yes. <clears throat> That's I, the thing. You saw the you saw the uh, super the super fight club that they did the pro yeah <clears throat> yes uh, I did that was, was that was awesome hysterical 
Um, imagine if you got these three, because that's the thing I have to say. When during the, this two-parter pretty much up this game. I was going to say. Cisco. He's a Cisco and Mr. Terrific of this universe. He's pretty much us. He's saying, okay, I can't believe I'm seeing all this. I mean, the boy pretty much wanted to be adopted by Superman or be, you know, his kid brother by the end and so forth. And it was just some of the most hysterical things. But imagine they are the brain trust. They are the support. Uh, excuse me, okay? Just give me a second. Oh, yeah. him instead and and Kara gives that look to Alex like oh he's a hugger that was such a joy because this guy Tyler Hecklin this guy is so perfect as Superman that I, I watched did I don't know if you ever watched MTV's Teen Wolf series um he was he was a broody character on there like everybody on the show was but he was the highlight of it. He was the best character on there. He was the most well-rounded. He was the most interesting. And then when when they announced it that that he was leaving the show, or I I ceased. I stopped watching the show. I'm like, oh, I realized because I watched one episode without him, and I said, oh, this actually makes me realize I don't give a shit about any of these other characters. So I stopped watching it. And when they made the announcement that he was playing Superman, I knew he'd be able to... I knew he'd do a good job. He absolutely blew my expectations away. He so completely embodied that the G-Golly spirit that, 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 uh, that Christopher Reeve had as Superman, it's like watching 
the old Max Fleischer cartoons come to life. I mean, when he saves that family, and he looks back at them, and he winks, and then he smiles, and then he flies off, I'm like, this is, this is everything I wanted to see. I mean, when I saw Man of Steel, all along I said, because Superman Returns is a big disappointment for lots of reasons, I kind of I kind of dug the way Brandon Routh was sort of miming Christopher Reeve, and that that was okay. He did he he did a decent enough job in a movie that, in my opinion, didn't offer anything else. Um, but when when they announced Man of Steel and they said it wouldn't that it would have nothing to do with that thing, I was like, okay. For once, I was like, because I, I read a lot of Superman comics in the '90s when. Yeah, you know, you remember the comic book, the the environment in the '90s where everything was a little, everything was a little darker, a little crazier, a little over the top, <clears throat> you know, a little overblown, and <clears throat> a lot of Superman comics, uh, both before and after the death of Superman, he'd get he'd get real pissed off, and you know, we yeah. we'd see him doing all kinds of you know crazy things, and little he wasn't. He wasn't the Sonny Boy Scout anymore. Not all the time, but... So, I said, for once, for a movie, when they announced it, I said, you know what, I do want to see the uber-powerful uh, Superman that will get a little pissed off when something is threatening the entire Earth. And that is what I saw. We saw sort of a, a sour Superman that got pissed off, but he did what he had to do, and it was dark, but it worked once, and I was happy, it was like, that, that itch of mine got scratched, I got to see what, what, what kind of a, a non, a non-idealized Superman would look like, but at the same time, I was completely satisfied, and I actually didn't want to see that anymore, so when I saw Batman, versus Superman, and there wasn't a smile to be had anywhere in that movie, aside of from that goofy character that uh, Jesse Eisenberg was playing. I, I, I was just... I, I, I longed to see... <clears throat> I longed to see the sunny Superman again, and like I said, I knew, I knew Tyler Hecklin would pull it off. But I, I didn't realize how completely perfect he was for it and you're right he needs a series and if he doesn't get a series he needs he needs a if he doesn't get a a, a 22 episode season he needs to have like a 10 episode series or something I, 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 I don't care I don't care if it's just uh sort of something like they did with Agent Carter where you put it on for six weeks or eight weeks, and we get to see how that would work. You know, even if, yeah, they don't want to dedicate a whole series. Because, I mean, I have to imagine the four shows they have going right now probably breaks the bank. Um, but I did read something yesterday that said that Superman will more than likely be sort of a recurring character on the show. And that would be awesome, because... I definitely want to see more of him. And last year, when out of absolutely nowhere, it was revealed that Hank Henshaw 
was the Martian Manhunter. I cheered so loud, and I got tears in my eyes, and I said, oh my god. See, my two very favorite DC superheroes are Superman and the Martian Manhunter. And never, never, ever, 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 ever would I have imagined that Martian Manhunter would be on my television screen every week. That is crazy. And it, it brought it brought me back to those quotes that David Goyer said that Martian Manhunter was a stupid character and would have to be completely rewritten to work on the screen. And meanwhile, I'm sitting here watching what he's doing on this show saying, no, right there, you got the essence of the character. And it's perfect. Yeah, I, I will pay stock in what Dave S. Goyer uh, says. He's a blowhard. Um, I, I respect the movies that he's made, but um, if, when you got uh, Wesley Snipes possibly wanted to roundhouse kick him because uh, he <laughs> uh, that's to tell you that there's an issue. Not to say that you know Wesley's good, you know um, he's a good gauging, you know, element as far as where, you know, should I be able to trust this? Um, he had his issues too, but um, I trust Wesley more than I'll ever, ever trust Goyer. And Goyer, uh, He's like most people, they get too good of a head, uh, they don't get a chance to actually see, you know, the possibilities, let's just say that much. I mean, if it's not coming from them, then it's stupid, and um, I have a big problem with that. And this, I'm not going to lie to you, I love both man still, and I've loved uh, Batman v Superman because I understand the context of the story, however, they need to start brightening things up and they need to start doing it with Justice League, which means this. I would give a pink slip to Goyer and I would definitely give a pink slip to Snyder and say, thank you for helping us along the way, but we got it from here. We're going to bring in Bruce Tim and, and Paul Dini to be pretty much live action directors. They already know how to do storyboards. So from then on, they, Ben Affleck, if you can bring in George Miller from the Dad uh, Max, you know, where concerns Apocalypse, bring him in, and Jeff Johns, you got him here, buddy. Um, because this, this, this is their time to pretty, pretty much reset what has happened. Because right now, they run the risk of only being great with the Berlantiverse, and that would be a damn shame. Yes, it would. Because the best thing about Batman v Superman were uh, Ben Affleck as Batman and God as oh, oh I agree I was going to say see I'm not Michael Keaton is my Batman but mm-hmm. but and I'm not I don't I have nothing against Affleck I just I just remember um, it, it's just when, when he was announced I had nothing against him I thought oh he should be able to play that pretty well but I was going through a thing where um the Nolan stuff sort of spoiled me on Batman for a while. Like it was, it was just so, so gritty, so realistic that it was just it, yeah. And and I just got to the point where I was like, I don't, I don't need any more Batman movies for for a while. And so when they announced Affleck, I said, well, you know what, he's gonna, he'll pull it off. He'll do a good job. But um, I didn't actually realize that how much I was going to like him in the part, and then, uh, uh, um, I, I never heard of 
Gal Gadot before she got on. I have no idea who she was, but she didn't have a big role, but she didn't need one because, wow, she is Wonder Woman. Like, she was, yeah. uh, again, she's like, she's bored to play that part. Like, she's, and then I, I watched the trailer for, for her own movie, and huh, that is going to be, that is going to be a joy to watch. Oh my god, now I'm a person who loves staying world the World War, specifically the first World War. And she's in a World War One setting and she's probably going to go up against Ares, the guy of war. She's got her own, you know, rad pack, Howling Commandos, uh, the DC universe with, you know, Chris Pine and Steve Trevor and, you know, a host of other characters. It's going to be I would say that she is to the DC EU what Captain America is to the MCU. Agreed. She is pretty much the eternal warrior come back at our time of need to go ahead and battle against the darkness. And then she goes away only to come right back. But at least she goes and retires willingly. We saw what happened with Cap. He had to be put in the ice for 70 years. And like Rip Van Winkle gets brought back but instead of aging like everybody else did, he is literally a man out of time. But from her perspective, she has been ageless for close to 100 years. And we get to see how it all began with her. And with Gal, Gal is Israeli. She was in the Israeli Defense Force. And I heard a lot of people say, oh, she's too skinny. Oh, my God, I can't. This girl is the epitome of a badass Fatale. Yes, she is. She could wipe the floor with pretty much anybody. Well, and it, it makes me laugh because the things is this, when I heard about the possibility of a Wonder Woman, I wanted Bridget Reagan from, um, she was recently in Agent Carter. She played Dottie. Um, but I loved her when she was in Legends of the Seeker because I saw her with the sword and I saw her the way that she looked and I said, that's Wonder Woman. That's Diana Prince. But I can't see Bridget, God lover, being that version of Wonder Woman and the DCEU. It's not going to happen because too much time has gone by. And she's not the same girl that I knew from Legend of the Seeker. I, I never saw that movie. Um, oh, it was, it was outstanding. But I did, outstanding series. I did like her as, the, as that... Uh, I guess she was a black widow. I did like her in in that part. Um, I, I when she she showed up in uh, Batman vs Superman, the tone lightened a lot. Oh, and and the music, man, the music when she was going up against Doomsday, man, it soared. Oh, everybody were literally at the edge of their seats to see what was about to happen. Because when you heard that, you know, it was almost like a callback to 300, and uh, that series, you heard that sucker go, and you said, okay, now it's all like Donkey Kong. They are about to go, and they are, we're about to go someplace. Now, if my, oh, the things is this, I figured out my issues with the Cabell Superman, and so forth, but at the same time, I understand him, because we're dealing with a person, if Let's just say as much. Imagine if you were to have the capsule carrying baby Kal-El come down to Earth 
say in the 1980s, 1990s. You got a situation where, at that time, the world has changed. Um, views about people with no technical abilities have changed. The whole world is different. So they have a Kevin Costner saying, although you should be able to do this or so forth, it makes complete and total sense. And I know a lot of people give a lot of shade to Kevin Costner's portrayal. Nah, I liked him. I liked him as Pac and I liked him a lot. I understood. And that whole scene when he was up at the mountain and he was talking about, yes, you might be able to save these people here. You might be able to do everything great here, but because you were not here at another area, something else has to suffer. So you got to be have the wisdom of Solomon to know when is the time should I act and when should I not. And a lot of people they don't understand that. And they said, Oh, he just dowered her and he's given this, you know, tell about you no know, drowning horses. And I'm saying, Did you not understand the context of what was being spoken? Yeah. Because once you do, you can completely understand it. And that is why you got a you really have Superman as Atlas. You have Superman's Atlas who really has the weight of the world on his shoulder because he realizes that I wish I could be everywhere. I wish I could help everybody out, but I can't. I have to make peace with that. And so once he goes after Doomsday and he does what he has to do, he does everything for the great good. Now, that being said, Superman should have been a lot shorter. It should have been a lot tighter. It should be easily revealed that Jesse Eisenberg was Lex Luthor Jr., giving way for hopefully Brian Cranston. But I just think that he's disappeared or he's in another dimension. And we can't find him yet. No, he might be in an apocalypse right now. Uh, but imagine if he comes in and says, oh, it looks like my kid did not do what he was supposed to do. Um, he was supposed to do what I want him to, and he didn't. He messed it up. So it looks like I have to step in now. We have the most dangerous legislature come in to actually deal with it. Because remember, Justin Eisenberg's character said, oh, that, you know, Lex was my dad. I don't know why, you know, it's almost like, why are you calling me that? And then, of course, we see a guy who's really mentally deranged. We have a ADD, um, almost autistic, uh, Joker slash Riddler type character who has an issue with parental uh, figures who definitely have issues with gods and so forth. And so we see Superman just coming up and say, oh, I'm going to fix all of this. It was like, dude, you need a series of therapists. This is not the way to go. Um, and that's why I was able to understand Eisenberg's character. Not to say I liked him, because truth be told, I don't care for the actor. I never have. Nah, I don't. I, I, I don't much like him in anything he plays. He, he's. Oh God, he's just so. I mean, I'm I one to say, dude, you need a hug, dude. You need a, hug. <laughs> a wife, you need to get a woman, you need to do something because right now you're too serious. I mean, you know, you're too wound up. He's I mean, one of those. He's one of those actors that everything I've ever seen him in, he's playing Jesse Eisenberg. Thank you. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not a fan. Mark Zuckerberg was that damn wild tight. No. The way they showed him in the social networks. I'm saying, dude, man, just. I know that you got the pressure and everything, but you know, have Lighten a up. smile, a smile. Um, I, uh, I, 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 that, 
hey, you know, that's a good solution. I didn't think about that. Yeah, you'd say, yeah, you bring in later, you say, oh, I was setting it up for a much better, much more convincing um, yeah. Lex Luthor, because honestly... Yeah. They, because what people don't know is that Cranston was actually casted before Eisenberg. He had already read, he already had it, and they were going another different direction. But I believe that if he's out there, you get Brian Cranston in with his Breaking Bad self, and you up the stakes. But by that time, what we're going to see with the Justice League movie is pretty much a mixture of, say, the Wild Bunch meets um, Magnificent Seven, but with superheroes. This is a ragtag group of superheroes who possibly don't like each other, easy to get to get each other's face and want to fight. And they're going to have to be, these knuckleheads are going to have to be the ones to save the rest of us in the DCEU. Uh, that's the tone I'm seeing right now. Well, it's funny because when I saw that trailer, I just I watched it thinking to myself, whoa, this is I was a little worried, but I was like, oh, wait, that looks like more fun than I would have been. I mean, there's laughs, there's smiles. There's, I mean, even even Affleck, he's a little lighter in there. Um, he's a little... He's, and, a Con, he's a Conroy Batman. That's what people understand. He's a more vicious version. If you were to mix Frank Miller's uh, Batman Year One, Batman Dark Knight Returns with the Kevin Conroy Batman, I know a lot of people say, oh, man, that's blasphemy. It is not. I understand what you're saying. That's totally reasonable. Exactly. Because you've got to think about it. I mean, if you saw the Return of the Joker for Batman Beyond, Batman in that one was almost to that level by that time. And you got to think that between that and the first episode of Batman Beyond, this man has gotten so damn grim and had to cut ties with almost everybody that he's ever loved. Barbara, that didn't work out. Dick, you know, Grayson, Tim, you know, we saw what happened with him in Return of Joker, Batman Beyond. This guy was going to get down to that level either way. One day he was going to pick up that gun and he was going to aim at somebody and do this thing. So to say that, oh, I can never ever see a Batman that will go to that level is naive. Bullshit. And people don't, people, people forget when they launch Batman in his first few appearance, he did carry a gun and he did kill exactly. people. Exactly. He was pretty much he was pretty much the descendant of the Black Bat. Now, I'm going to give some context to the Black Bat. The Black Bat has been put had was pretty much multiple men, but there was specifically one character named Tony O'Quinn who was almost like a pro-Batman pro-Daredevil because he got like acid going his eyes. He was an assistant uh, DA and so forth. So he got it in there and gave him the ability to see in the dark. So he was pretty much a proto, like I said, daredevil Batman. And this guy wore nothing but black. He would carry a sidearm and he would go after um, bad guys as a vigilante. Now, years later you get Batman and Batman's carrying a sidearm and so forth and he's doing everything that he has to do to do it. And then of course, everything has to get toned down because by that time you had one character that was needed not to actually get around them, and that was Robin. So by that time, they said, oh, no, we're going to forget all of that. Me, I've kept that, just like I kept the gruff Superman from 1938, who was definitely a hit. 
I mean, this guy would stop traffic uh, when people were driving erratically and smash cars and stuff and said, don't do this again. I mean, these were people, you got to think about the early superheroes of that time were nothing but comic book versions of pulp characters. Superman was pretty much Doc Savage, Gano, pretty I mean, if you look at Gladiator's abilities and everything that was done, and uh, written about from Phil Wally going forward, you see that they took elements, even though Steve goes shoot and oh no, I've never ever seen, you know, a red Gladiator, and it was later found out that Seagull had reviewed Gladiator, so there you go, you lied, but I get it, bro. So they were literally cutting and pasting these characters, and they had put in there, but these characters began to take on a life of their own. They began to outgrow their pulp elements and become something different. But I think now we're back in a level where those pulp elements are coming back, because all this is cyclical. All this takes place in cycles. And right now, we're seeing a time where we've got Batman that has no issues with Joey. But he's going to eventually get that level of, you know, I can actually hurt them really, really bad, and then send them to Arkham Asylum. And then we're going to have a Superman that says, no, 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 I can send them either to the Phantom Zone, or I can send them over to uh, Bellevue, or so forth. I mean, they have to get to that level, and they will eventually, but the fans have got to have context. And the problem now is that people want so much but without context. They don't want the actual journey. And for me, if it was up to me, all of this would be in television long form. Um, and we would get to be able to see it all the time. But that takes a lot of money. Uh, more money than you would have, say, developing movies. So with this, you can get the short two hours, maybe three hour demo these guys and their adventures and so forth as opposed to what we get with the Berlantiverse where it is literally a chronicle of a whole season. Now, I love your idea about Tyler uh, Eklund having his own uh, series and so forth, the miniseries, during the break because, come on, how they're going to be doing is running reruns of the actual, you know, Supergirl series, you know, at that time. Why not give that a rest and have Tyler Eklund come in there and let Miss, you know, Melissa Benoit become the special guest star on this series. That would be awesome! Hey, cousin, I'm in town. You know, I just decided to, uh, you know, snapper, you know, car, he sent me on, you know, location, and he said something was happening here in Metropolis. What's going on? And then, there you go. They have a two-parter and so forth. And then, it leads into maybe like an eight-episode, you know, run for them, just to test and see does this kid... Is this kid a one-hit wonder, or is this kid the Superman that we've been looking for for our generation? And I think this guy is. I mean, from the moment that we see him on the phone, uh, I guess, getting something to eat or so forth, or at the newsstand, and then he's getting called by Perry White, and just the tone, the inflection in his voice was like, Hey, Mr. Uh, Perry, yeah, 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 I got this, I got this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, they'll be like this. Oh, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, but you do say, uh, Ray Caesar's ghost. Oh, yes, sir, I already understand. You're talking, you're not talking about yourself. From the moment that happened, and then he sees the shuttle 
you know, be in danger. He's looking up and they say, well, we hope he sees it. And then, of course, on her end, they said, well, we hope she sees it. And Jim says, she did. That was it, man. I was in heaven. I was like saying, in my lifetime, I had made it to this point where the characters I grew up reading, they had finally come together on live screen. And here we are. We're here to see this. When he I ran... When he ran through that alley, and he, he, he chucked the necktie, and he ripped the shirt open, and you see the S, and he, and he flies off, Christopher Reeve style, and he catches one end of the shuttle, and Supergirl comes in, and she catches the, and, and they land this thing, I cheered. I mean, well, I was. I, the air, man. I, was I did too, the air. I, and I yelled, "Yes!" because yes. it was all I had hoped for, and more. Because you just you did. It's it's so you know what the world is a dark and twisted and and mean place, and the sunny outlook that that Supergirl and the Flash tend to have helps. I mean, even Legends of Tomorrow, it's a lot the same way. Sometimes it gets a little heavy, uh, but it, it, it's not, it's not they a... They can rein it all back in and say, okay, we know the situation, but let's not lose our heads, let's just... Exactly, and then and then they, 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 they find the fun again. Every episode, the fun comes back. But exactly. when, when I watched Supergirl and Superman save that shuttle, and... Before that, sh- watching him say, uh, "I'll get, oh uh, yes, Mister White, I'll, uh, I'll get that written lickety split," and then, like oh, you pointed out, happened. I did too. And then, like you point out, he 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 said uh, he said about the Great Caesar's ghost. And then, at the end, at the end of the episode, when Martian Manhunter, uh, you know, he he tears out the, the kryptonite heart out of that uh, Metallo number two and 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 the the body falls on the ground and Superman just says and you lay there and you think about what you've done I cracked up that was funny that was not yeah. something that you I would have expected you know he got that from Paul Kent. exactly that was Yeah. 
Well, and they're both looking at each other, and they say, and you can already tell that the real Hank Henshaw, they say he was a son of a you-know-what. And so this guy... Oh, this podcast's explicit. You can say that son of a bitch. That, that son of a bitch would say, like, this alien from Mars took on my <clears> image and became the director of the EEO who's living my life. Oh, hell no. Oh, that's this right. Guy, I forgot they said that, that the actual Hank Henshaw was a complete asshole. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was. And so, this is what I'm expecting because they've already, you see, they just blew their entire load and said, you know what? <laughs> we just give you one metallo. Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to give you a another metallo. I didn't see that. Well, you know, the first time made sense. Dude got shot. They were, they, yeah. they were in a sense, saving his life. But when, when, when the cannabis employee pissed her off and she just said, take him, make him another one, I'm like, oh, that's cold. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, oh. That's the thing. These guys don't play by the rules. You know, this is cannabis. This is the cannabis I was waiting for to come out in live action after I saw what cannabis did in Justice League um, Season 2. Oh, yeah, because I, well, I remember... <clears throat> Last when they name dropped Cadmus last season, and and I said oh, they're gonna bring Cadmus into this, and 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 my girlfriend was like, "What's Cadmus?" I'm like, "Well, it, it's like a scientific lab that some of their stuff is on the up and up, and some of their stuff is awful. It's 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 you know it's wretched experiments on on uh, innocent characters, and so some of what they do is good, some of what they do is awful." And I think it's a little bit. Um, I tried to I, I tried to compare it sort of what they did with uh, uh, Maxwell Lord, where he wasn't a bad guy. He was up to no good a little bit. His company had a, you know, it is a little bit shady, but for the most part, it was you know totally reputable. But when they name dropped Cadmus, dude, I got I got excited because it I didn't see it coming. Like I didn't. Like, I, I, I didn't expect... I, I thought... I mean, I, I suppose I thought maybe it could happen eventually, but I didn't think it would really be that, that yeah. soon. Yeah I, thought, yeah, I thought that when we got towards a Justice League television series, we were going to get Catmills. Catmills was pretty much the okay superheroes and supervillains. We've had enough of y'all's crap. You guys have destroyed city blocks, uh, destroyed lives. I mean, to a level of, like, what happened in Sokovia and Age of Ultron, these guys are put in place to be an anti-unit to go up against the Justice League. I did not expect this soon to see Katniss, but I am loving it, because even then, it makes me wonder if the Amanda Waller that we lost in Arrow won't appear in Supergirl, that, but it'll be her counterpart. Imagine that. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's a good idea. Just having to walk in, maybe have a different haircut and so forth. And then she says, well, I see that you guys messed up. Maybe something happens to that bitch who actually was threatening Alex um, Danvers, you know, her sister. And she dies and gets debilitated. And then she says, okay, I got it from here. And then we get her coming back. Because I'm not going to lie to you. It really broke my heart that we lost um, well it was let's say as much I've never seen a sexier um, Amanda Waller 
the, the law that was on uh, Arrow. Absolutely loved it every time that she kept chewing the scenery and so forth. And she would just literally the cold woman. You can tell she was going through a lot of crap. But when they killed her, I said, okay, this changes everything. I was praying to God that we'd be able to get her back in some capacity somewhere else. Well, different than what's going on in Flash, where we got, of all people, Harrison Wells. When he came back, it's a different character, but he was the same character. That was... Exactly. Well, it's funny, because when, when, when they had Amanda Waller on there, and, you know, that, that little paramilitary terrorist unit comes in, and then they shoot her in the head, I was like, well, that was abrupt. That... That was that was surprising, and my first thought was, they're gonna we're gonna find out that they faked it, or 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 we're gonna find out that that it was it was a show, and and Amanda Waller is actually in hiding somewhere, and then that isn't what happened, and she was dead, and I thought, well, that was, I'm like, yeah. it, disappointing. Well, yeah, because it was like the, these these the this uh, it hasn't gone far enough yet, and and. But you're, you know what? That's a good point. You're right. We have a second universe now. Oh, and on top of that, we've also got Earth Two, and, 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 and so you're so you're right. There is a way to bring her back without the plot. Oh man, that's a good idea. So maybe she will come back. Um, There's no different than what's going on with uh, Katie Cassidy, you know, from um, Arrow as Laurel. We've already seen her doppelganger on Earth Two. And she, my God, other than being sexy as hell, she's able to just be everything that, imagine if Black Canary or Laurel had actually had a different life and was a true wild child. This is what that Earth 2 version is. It is her uninhibited, I will scream at the top of my lungs, so literally blow out your eardrums and kill you. Um, so she exists in that realm. So it's going to be interesting when she actually jumps over towards Arrow, and then you have, of all people, um, Stephen Amell's uh, Oliver Queen having, like, I see her all the time, uh, but she's dead, she's dead. And then he realizes, oh my God, it's her, it's the one from Earth 2, and she's just been messing with me. That is going to eventually happen. You don't introduce her in the Flash and not have her be a foil to eventually come over towards Arrow to play head games. Well... Because um, she didn't die. When that whole thing happened with Zoom, she didn't die. No. And that's what people don't realize. Is that. So they could bring back uh, Katie if she decides she wants to. But right now, she's probably got other projects. But if, if Berlanti wants it to happen, it's going to happen. And it'll be no different than when... And I'm really going old school. When Duncan McLeod lost his... Uh, fiance Tess and then uh, Horton one of his uh, arch enemies uh, had a girl who was uh, surgically altered to look like Tess came back into his life and started playing head games it'll be on that level um, where I see her everywhere but I know she's in the ground she's dead and then you also gotta take into account with uh, Sarah Lance because Sarah especially with this recent episode did you see recent episode of Legends of Tomorrow um. No, I haven't watched last week yet. I'm your friend. I'm not going to spoil that for you. Thank I you. Um, oh, oh, I will. I, I, I. It, 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 there, there are repercussions for Laurel's death. 
Let's just say that much. Oh, kick and ass. It is grand. It is grand. And like I said, if you got a, let's just say this much. If you have a sister or a sibling that is a former member of the League of Assassins, and they find out that their loved one got killed, what, to what extent would you think they would go to find the person who was responsible? End of the earth uh, to, the end of time. to absolutely disembowel that person. Yes, um, exactly. Well, and you know, the That's thing is, the uh, you know when they killed off uh, Sarah Lance on the show and then they brought her back and and I, I was, well, I was, uh, holy shit, sorry about that. I, I, yeah, I, that was my son's uh, toy cell phone, I kicked it. Um, the, uh, um, when, when they, and then they brought her back and she, she became the white canary and then they announced that she was she was joining the legends of tomorrow and we were going to get to see her you know do as a main character doing all of this well first okay i had two thoughts first of all was good she deserves more screen time and it'll be interesting to see her dynamic with this with this team full of well i don't really want to call them misfits but sort of this this random lineup and then my first thought was, hubba, hubba, hubba. Um, because, damn. Um, and she is a breath of fresh air every time she is on the screen. Yes, she I don't is. I where she came from. And like I said, for me, as you know, I'm interested in old pulp. So for me, the old femme lady who you got to be wary of is just sexy as hell. And... That is the one thing I have to credit the Berlantiverse with is that they know how to cast these girls and but they cast these girls who are who aren't just eye candy. They are strong willed women who know what they want and they're going to get what they want. Everybody even down to Iris, because you think that oh yeah, this Iris, he's the girlfriend of Barry, whatever. This is a go getter. This is a person who's going to figure out stuff and go out and do what she has to do. But well, she she got she got her, you know, she met her brother, you know, she met Wally West, and and yeah. then she got, um, you know, she got uh, she got her father to meet him, and and she bridged that gap. I mean, she she was. You met her mom again. You met her mom again. That's right. Yeah, and she forgave her and even cried when after yeah. uh, after, and then, um. She's, but see, I've always liked that character ever since the first season. I know I read things. Oh, they don't know what to do with her. Yes, they do. They're doing exactly with her what she needs to do. Her and her and Caitlin and and Cisco. I mean, I know he's vibe now. He's got he he is a metahuman. He is powered, but he's still down to earth. I look at it this way: Iris and 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 Caitlin. They're they're the well, and Harrison Harrison Wells do a point. They're they're the regular people. They're the they're the normal they're the normal people in this group of metahumans. And even though we saw her, you know, in Earth Two, we saw her as a villain, and you know, we got to see Killer Frost and all that. Um, I was more, um, you know, what I, I really I hope they never go that way. With Iris, leave her as she is. Leave her being. And well, you know what? I think you're right. It's just so many times you see these shows, and 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 like I was watching Grimm for a while on NBC, and and 
a lot of times it was only a matter of time before you thought, well, something awful is going to happen when he's and they're going to transform. And she's, she's such, I mean, everybody on the show has a lot of heart, but she's, in some ways, she's the heart of the whole crew. Like, she, she, she keeps... She, she and her daddy, she and her daddy, she and her daddy are my two favorites, specifically Joe. I'm saying to myself, well, this is how I would be. If Barry came to my house after what happened, you know, that night and so forth, this is how I would raise him. And I hate this, and I hate to say it, he, for me, is really the, um, he's a father that most men wish the God they could be. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I'm... He's the guy, it's like unconditional love. I, I, I mean, he's got an unknown son. He did not even know that one day that his friendship with Henry Allen for me personally, I am waiting for the day and Berlanti better make this happen. And this is a tangent. He better make Henry Allen to be the original Barry Allen from the 1990 series. That his fam that the Allen family and the Garrett family has a history of messing the timelines up and then they can tell them what they have to hide. Because I do believe that the Barry Allen that we see who's laying is actually the son of the original Barry Allen. Huh. But we won't find that out until much later. And the reason why Henry didn't have any abilities was because he had lost, as years went by, he lost touch with the speed force. Um, oh, so... He settled. He has settled. Oh, so you think that this Barry Allen might actually turn out to be Bart Allen someday? Yes, yes. Huh. Exactly. Oh, and, but that's not a bad idea. Just, yeah, because like I said... He, all they did was just transport. Come on, man! You've got that Barry Allen, and then you got uh, the trickster played by Mark Hamill in this sucker. Are you telling me that in say like a actual episode that like a post episode that we never ever got to see since that series got canceled in 1991? That these two were struggling, something happened, and they got trapped on this earth. And then the trickster, being crazy, just decided to continue to do his crazy stuff and was eventually caught. But the Flash realized he could never, ever get back to the Flash, the world that he knew back in that old CBS series. And so he stayed, he found love, he and his wife had a day, and then, of course, what winds up happening, she gets killed by the reverse Flash, and then here we are. So that's what I'm hoping for. Will it happen? Nine times out of ten, no. But it would be a great connecting thread if that was the case. But come on, you don't bring in John Wesley Shipp, buddy, if you're not going to do something on that level. Because we've already seen all three of the original cast members from The Flash from 1990 come on. Well, like you said, nine times out of ten it wouldn't happen unless you've got Greg Berlanti running your show. And he's the one guy that might actually do that. Yeah, I'm right. And that's why I'm saying to myself, okay, Greg, yes, I know that Henry's dead. And we may never get him back. That's all I need to know, man. Is, 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 is he the guy who I think he is? That's all I need to know. And it could just be uh, actual, like, oh, yeah, this by, by you know, by the way, uh, yeah, what you guys thought was the case was actually the case. And then that would blow my mind. That would be awesome. saw we already saw the original Flash when he was going in to uh, to actually take in, I think, Harrison 
and um, J- and Jesse. And Jesse's coming back. Jesse Quick is coming back right now. Oh, and, I, I was uh, saying, I knew it was only a matter of time. Yeah, she's back. Like, if you didn't see the episode and I haven't seen it, you, I'm going to have to wait for the CWF to hit it, and hopefully by about 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning, it should hit. I should be able to get that, and I'll be able to get uh, Age of Shield around the same time. Uh, on Hulu. Yeah, they're they're uh, they're on my DVR. I uh, yeah, I, I watched them yet. So, um, for for me, that would be what I would want to see because the, they already showed they showed him when he was running in there, and then we saw the uh, Legion of Superheroes, and now here we got Monel and so forth. So the Legion's coming, and we already saw that the Just Society is going to be. Um, a team that they'll reach the legends of tomorrow are going to witness. Yeah, did you? Um, did, yeah, you you saw the cast photo, right? Of them and all their in their. their yeah. Holy shit! I know. Um, hey, 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 this is like the third or fourth generation of the Justice Society here, because they're gonna possibly have the meeting area, and they're gonna show the original members of the Justice Society. It's going to be. Bananas, JD. It's just going to be like I cannot believe I'm seeing this. I'm going to have to sit it out now. If if if, if they bring if they bring Golden Age Sandman into this thing, there's going to be a lot of fans that have a loser with the with the jacket and the gas mask. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of fangasms happening. Because I'm a big fan of the old Sandman Mystery Theater comics from um, Vertigo. I used to love that series. It was dark, it was harsh, but you said, huh. So this is how a character could act back in those days. Well, you see that time. This is great. You know, the multiverse and all these shows they've got going and all this, literally I'm thinking to myself, there really isn't... They're at a point now where I think you can't say that anything's off limits because really... Would you have thought of the Justice Society? No, but they're doing that. Um, yes, I mean, they're they're. I mean, we saw. Um, I mean, we saw Jonah Hex, and I think he's coming back this season. Um, oh yes. <clears throat> I did read something about uh, once they introduce all these characters to each other, that Oliver Queen <clears throat> is going to have the most diverse reaction to. Martian Manhunter when he finds out that that uh, you know up until now he thinks oh, I've seen everything and then when he finds out there's aliens that he's going to have you know he's going to have a harder time you know everybody else is sort of accepting and he's going to have trouble it's like, it's like Diggle it's like Diggle without the Flash when you saw that you saw Diggle's reaction it was almost like he's he's watching the exorcist but the exorcist is having the <laughs> I cannot believe I see a person who's able to run that fast. He's looking at like uh, he's looking at Felicity. He's looking at um, the other guys. He says, "Did you see that? Did you see that?" <laughs> this is going to happen. That's the thing. All of us have that thing where we think, "Oh man, we've seen everything, whatever. You know, nothing ever shocked us, whatever." Until we finally get to that moment and we realize, "I haven't even scratched the surface." Yep, there's a whole iceberg that that that. Uh, and that's the thing they made. They had back ended and had made um, Oliver Queen the Batman of the Berlantiverse. It's, it's happened. You know, you can't stop and not say it's not the case. 
but I was talking online um, on Facebook, and I said it would be a gem if they could get Kevin Porter from the Bat in the Sun fan fictions to be or fan uh, movies on YouTube to be the Batman of the Philanthropy Verse. I know he was born in 1969, and I know they're going to be trying to skew towards a 30s or 40-year-old, but this guy is Batman. And to have that old, grizzled Batman be kind of like the um, Batman um, Wildcat guy who say, okay, I've seen everything. I've seen things you wouldn't even believe. I've fought things you would never believe. And then he's going up, and he is, you know, being, you know, his usual self to the Tyler Hecklin um, Superman and so forth, being, you know, distrustful. And then later they strike up a certain, you know, understanding, if not a camaraderie. And then uh, I just, that's the thing. These guys have now made me anticipating of uh, these interactions. I'm saying, huh, wouldn't it be interesting if we get eventually the Justice not just the uh, Green Lantern Corps come into the Berlantiverse. We get the Legion of Superheroes come in. It is. We get the, uh, well, who else? Uh, We get the Outsiders as Batman's other group, you know, that he deals with, but they're kind of like his secret Avengers in a sense because they're out doing their thing, but he only calls them in when he needs to as backup for Robin, for Nightwing, for Batgirl, for Oracle, for what? And they're saying, you got a second team and you didn't tell us? I see all these interactions and I'm saying, if anybody could do it, it's Berlanti and his team. Well, you know... Berlanti one day is going to want to retire, but if he has his heir apparent to say, okay, just keep on the map. I'm good. I'm going to continue to enjoy this. Just keep this, keep the ship steady and move forward. They go ahead and do what you have to do, man. And that would be it, man. We would be into this thing for possibly 15, 20 years of nothing but this stuff. Now, these shows are going to have a five to maybe seven year time limit. And it's sad because a lot of people want to see this go on forever and ever and ever. But come on. Melissa Benoit, as much as she's having fun right now, she's going to age out. She's going to want to do things. She's going to want to have a family life. And so Supergirl's going to go. Well, look at at Brandon Routh. Brandon Routh, 2006, he played Superman. Now, he's... He was was okay. I really like him as Ray Palmer. But the guy's in his 40s. Five or six years from now... He's going to start, after doing these shows constantly and always being in action, he's going to start to feel like he's John Wesley Ship, And he's going to, you know, he's going to want to, you know, he's going to want a new Adam that he's going to be training. Um, I mean, Tom Cavanaugh, I love that guy. I saw him on Royal Pains. I've seen him on other shows. And he's always great. But... He is no spring chicken. No, he's not, man. I um, remember he was younger. I remember watching him on Scrubs. I remember watching him and other stuff, and I'm saying, man, I hope this guy doesn't age or whatever. But I'm, I'm seeing it. That's the thing. At 37, I'm seeing all these actors get there, and that's the thing. There's nothing against it. I would love for you guys to do this forever. I'm a realist, but they're setting the tone right now that, fine, they're going to eventually go away, but we have something in place in their stead. 
we could have, by that time, we could have Justice League on this third or fourth season by about 2025 or something like that. We could have a Legion of Superheroes. Hell, we could have a new Time Master series where Rip Hunter is able to reestablish the Time Masters and so forth. And, but he is now a recurring character as opposed to what he was doing in Legends Tomorrow. See, like I said, is everything's endless. Everything's endless. But everything is gradual, too. And I hope that people see that. I'm glad that they're able to enjoy things for the now. But like I said, everything has its time in the sun. And eventually everything will end. So this is the time to enjoy all of this. Well, Um, 
you know, all these movies, Colossus and all these X-Men movies, they never get them right, never get them right, never takes the fucking Deadpool movie for them to finally get Colossus right. Yeah, he had to be a CGI character with a... And that's the thing, I love the rendition, but at the same time, he was... Colossus isn't that stupid, man. He's no, that, but, but he was... not that naive, naive either. No, so, but he uh, was right? moral and he was Russian. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, funny, because you, you, uh, you know, like I said, this is, this is it. This is, this is, in 10 years, this is the golden time to be uh, a fan of this stuff. But um, one thing that I really hope for in the next few years is that we get to see now, maybe, maybe eventually the Justice Society will get its own TV show, or maybe eventually, though, I want, for the sake of my children, that will be, um, my 12-year-old, she could watch it with me right now, but, um, and she'd actually like it because she's a geek, too, um, but that, I, I'm just, I'm not there yet, because, like, we're catching up on Clone Wars and, and Rebels and things like that, but we're... I like that stuff, I love Rebels right now. Rebels is great. Go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, you know what, in a couple of years, I want one of these shows to set up a proper version of Young Justice. Have, 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 have a companion show where it's not, not, not that ridiculous Teen Titans thing that TNT was going to do where they had a bunch of characters that didn't belong and they didn't have the character. No, I want, and, and, and it wasn't Greg Berlanti and it was nobody, no, I want Greg Berlanti eventually to set up his own Young Justice slash Teen Titans slash Young, you know, whatever they want to call it. I want him in a few years, three, four, five years, I want to see him set it up and have them get their own show and then eventually we get to see Oliver Queen and Barry Allen and Wally West and um, <clears throat> and and White Canary have them eventually show up and be the mentors on those shows because what a thrill it was when at the end of the last season on The Flash you see the original live action Flash come in wearing the silver helmet with the red jacket and and then when Supergirl premiered and I saw Helen Slater as oh, as as her as her adoptive mother yeah. and Dean Kane as Jeremiah Danvers yeah. I was absolutely floored I did not expect either character to be there and even if even if even if I, I well, because I was already when I saw Helen Slater, I was already I was like, whoa, holy shit! But then a scene later, when Dean Kane walks in, I'm like, that was straight out of the blue. I never expected it, only the because he did these kind of things. You expect that it'll get announced, and it really doesn't, and that was shocking to me. And now you see. Greg Berlanti, he's really good at play at, at doing this thing where he gets these these actors to come in and you they play the older version and that's why these shows I want to see eventually even if some of these characters 
even if Ray Palmer and and um, and um, um, you know, or sorry, having a brain fart. Even if these characters, even if they leave these shows and they're off for a while, but then they come back for an episode or two of of this younger follow up series, or that would be that would just be such a thrill because they don't. We can actually see in our lifetime. We could see Supergirl transition and becoming Power Girl. You know, where we get a, uh, we get like say a situation where another younger Supergirl comes into play, the one that uh, was drawn very well by Michael Turner and stuff like that. Where we have a aged Supergirl who's now says, you know what, I'm Power Girl now, but she's not as presumed Zang as the one we see in the comics, but. She don't need to be. Uh, exactly, but she is still a powerful force, and if she wants to, she can come make cameo. And here comes another Supergirl who comes in there, who's exactly like her, but with certain tweaks and, you know, whatever, and then is almost like a mother-daughter, big sister, little sister situation and so forth. Like I said, the possibilities of growth is so and all they gotta do is keep the momentum up. But we saw it with this last two episodes of Supergirl. The, I mean, I'm, like I said, it's the best two hours of television I have seen in a long time. And oh I yeah. Love that. And I love Agents of Shield, but I will not, I will not say that Agents of Shield couldn't be better. Because, like I said, I am looking for a day when the uh, knucklehead who's running ABC right now, uh decides to say, okay, we don't want it here, we don't want any Marvel television, and Marvel television transitions over, and they either create their own network, or they go into Hulu and Netflix or Crackle, and then they can actually have the freedom to do what they want to do, because right now, when I look at Asia the Shield, and I've had time to put a lot of stuff in perspective with it, it's pretty much what would happen if Buffy Summers from Buffy was an Asian of Shield. Um, and then her boyfriend, Angel, is actually a turncoat Hydra agent. And then Giles is pretty much Coulson. And then you got Fred and Wesley, who are pretty much um, Simmons and Fitz and so forth. And, you know, and of course, May might as well be Zoe from Firefly and so forth. They keep having these types of tropes. And it's cute starting over, but when you look at it, you realize, yes, I am invested in the characters but in the world of shield you almost tune things out you know because you're saying okay i was expecting lmds this time i'm getting in season four why am i getting in season four uh i'm being this and this and like i said i understand they might have a vision and they want to do their adaptations but i'm a jim steranko shield guy have been for the last 15 years and I hate, I kick myself every day for not discovering the wonder that he was able to do in Strange Tales and in his own series and showing the vastness of S.H.I.E.L.D. as it is. Everything from technologies to characters to whatever. It was a lived-in world. And I don't feel that way with S.H.I.E.L.D. right now. I mean, I love Ghost Rider, but at the same time, there's a part of me saying, okay, you guys are in the 10 o'clock bed. Yes, the ass shot with Chloe was very, very, very nice. And yes, she's going through some pains and so forth. But 
let's get to the meat of the situation because I know you can do better. They you know, better, but they have not done to a level that they are capable of. Is I almost feel like Cat Grant in um, the last two episodes of uh, Supergirl where she's pushing Kara and saying, "I know you can find what you want to be, but you got to do this." I feel that way towards Shield. It's like you have everything right here. You got everything. Why aren't you doing this? Is Here, it because of the budget or is it because of the actual direction of the series? Because you can do better. And, I, I'm, and this ain't me like, you know, throwing shade on shield. This is me saying, you not only can do better, you need to do better. Well, because you're the last one left. There's no more Agent Carter. They decided to kick uh, my girl, Adrienne, you know, Poliki out with uh, her boyfriend, uh, Hunter. I love that character, and I miss him being on that show. Most wanted so badly. I wanted to see my boy Delroy Leonard do his thing as Dominic Cooper. Not Dominic Fortune, uh, the foot, the uh, the bounty hunter slash mercenary, whatever. Yeah. I, it hurt my soul when they told me that they weren't going to be picking up uh, Asia Carter, and they had decided not to pick up the pilot for. Most one. That's when I realized that this girl over at ABC had her sights on eliminating Marvel Television from ABC once and for all. Yeah, I'm, so I'm over the ten o'clock, and I said, "This is a death now." Yep. This is a mature thing, but this is their goodbye. If they can't survive on that one right there, they're out. Yeah, and this is thing. this girl from um, ABC. I'm her thing. No, it's right. So she comes from the How to Deal With Murder and Scandal Club, which these are shows that I know a lot of people they love. For me, it pissed me off because it is a very, very, very negative uh, depiction of black women. And it's almost on a level of like everything that a black woman has to do to make it in this world. And I understand that, but I don't want to see that on television. Uh, because I know that there are a host of black women out here who aren't looking to chill, who aren't looking to be conniving and whatever. Hey, the mother on Blackish is amazing. Exactly. Um, and Blackish is great, but, and I love that, but I'm talking about Hollywood murder and scandal. Oh, no, I'm just saying, I wish there were more sunny characters like exactly, that on those shows. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't get that with that, and so I still clear of that. And like I said, if that is your thing, Go right ahead. Absolutely. Fine. But for me, I see that as a stereotype upon stereotype upon stereotype. Because I know that y'all can do better. Yeah. To have and to have it like that and say, oh yeah, and I come from Scandal and from How to Deal with Murder, and I'm literally getting the side eye towards Marvel and winning them out so I can get more Grey's Anatomy and the rest of that stuff on TV. Well, let's face it. How many more procedurals can TV take? They can't because the thing is this, I'm still waiting, as much as I love Leroy Jeffro Gibbs and uh, NCIS, this show has got to eventually go. This, you know, they have got to put in the towel. It's got, it's got a few more years left, but I... I, but I it, it has to, it has to do it. Because it, as much as I love Mark Harmon, he is the quintessential uh, Avenger. And what I mean by that, I don't mean by Avenger by Marvel. I'm talking about the original... 1939. Yeah, you're talking Emma Peel and what's-his-name, right? No, 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 no. I'm talking about even before then. Oh. He was a character who lost his wife, who lost his daughter, 
and it messed oh. up so badly that he prematurely grayed and his skin started to be malleable, meaning it could change to any shape and he went bright white and he wore like this gray costume. Oh, wow. Translate that into today. You can't do that with Mark Carmen, but you can give him a character that has lost as much as he has. And he sets up his own Justice Inc. Uh, people, but instead of them being a private organization, they were from the Department of the Navy under NCIS, and he gets to solve crimes, and he gets to literally be a modern-day Avenger, where he gets to say, what happened to me, to me, what happened to my wife and to my daughter, would never, ever, ever happen to anybody else. You know what? That was great. I love NCIS, but losing Larry Gass- Glassberg is gonna hurt, and it's... Yeah. It's funny because you know, Michael Weatherly leaves the show after 13 years and people are like, oh, he should come back. You know what? All right, it's fine. I mean, it sucks, but it... He, it's fine because he's already, he already... I mean, he became a character of himself by the time it was time for him to go. Yeah, I mean... They, they it, had to kill off Siva, which another thing that hurt my soul when they killed her off. Because they said, oh, yeah, uh, guess what? They had a kid. Yeah. Okay, that's great, but... A little bit uh, anticlimactic. Um, Shows, but I don't feel either 
of those teams are 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 NCIS teams. They don't do the same cases. They don't work in the same environment. They don't. They're not based on. Exactly. It's like you you have to get the legitimate the original NCIS people onto those shows to make them feel like. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I know there's Navy bases all over the place, and there, there's, there's, there's ones near where they shoot those shows, but they don't, they don't have the same. I mean, look, everybody on NCIS, they, they're, they're not. Well, Gibbs doesn't wear a suit, but he's business casual, and then McGee, he, he wears a suit. Um, Denozo always wore a suit. Uh, Bishop, she's always dressed. In, in the same equivalent and, and Rocky Carroll as as the director he is in tip top suits um, Nick Fury of NCIS without the patch yeah and, and, and you got I mean I remember they, they made a joke with Denozo once that he said uh, Tim's like that doesn't McGee says that doesn't look like your usual type of shirt and he's like he's like yeah I had to buy this one on sale and and you know it's sort of but then you look at these other shows, they're not even business casual. It's not the same environment. They don't work in an office. I mean, the, 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 the NCIS Los Angeles crew, it's like a warehouse or some shit. It's like Scorpion. It's like, uh, it's, it's like uh, these guys might as well be. You remember a show that uh, it used to be called UPN before it was a CW called Level 9? There was a show where you had like this team that dealt with hackers and stuff like that and whatever. I didn't and, see it, uh, and I haven't watched Scorpion, so I, I can't yeah, compare. Yeah, but there, but there is that level. Every time I see NCIS Los Angeles, because these guys are just literally in full casual. You know, you could always expect LL Cool J to be in his linen shirt. You know. Yeah, and Chris O'Donnell's wearing that, fucking t-shirts. And exactly, and I mean, I'm saying okay. Yes, we know that we have agents that look like that, but unless you happen to have a case that eventually takes you over to the Washington Yard with Gibbs, it's hard for me. You see, that's the thing. I can get with Chris O'Donnell's character having to work with Gibbs and Jenny Shepard before she passed and so forth as CIA and so forth because he looks like he messed up some people. I mean, he really looks like he... He's a scrapper, and yeah, he fits in with them. I mean, then of course you got the KGB, you know, situation with him and his origin and whatever, and um, and so forth. But it's harder for me when they finally, I mean, when they did that two part to actually open up the universe and bring in LA, you know, when they did Legend One and Legend Two and so forth, and then we realize it's all about you know Ziva's boyfriend and Eli David, you know. Um, what's your name? Um, Ziva's father and so forth. Oh, yeah. It opened it up. You said, oh, man, this is great. And that's the one thing they do best is espionage. But I'm sorry. When they lost Ziva, they almost lost me. Because you got this new girl, as much as I love Bishop, she's not, she would never, ever be Kate. And she sure as hell would never be Ziva. No. And she's just going, she's still going through the motions. I mean, she still is. And now we just stuck with Gibbs, who pretty much lightened up. We got McGee, who got nowhere else to go. We got Bishop, she's doing her thing. We got 
about two or three new joints and so forth. One of which was, you know, the new girl that's on there now, who you know talks to uh, you know, that they might have dated or whatever. It's funny because I haven't I haven't watched a season yet. I'm literally letting them build up on my DVR until yeah, yeah exactly. So so I can watch so I can watch six or seven episodes in in, in a weekend. Um, and like I said, there, there's some good parts to it, but it's like, man, it's like, even with what they've done to the bias, man, um, his, uh, you know, my hot couple buddy, I mean, it's just, it's nuts, it's like... When they almost, I thought for sure, I, I honestly got, at the end of last season, when they go and they kill off the original director of NCIS, they went all the way back to the beginning, and, yes. and they killed him off. And then the season before last, when they killed off Gibbs and Fornell's ex-wife, and then then they then they shoot Fornell. I honestly thought they were going to kill him off, and then they didn't. But he still he still fucked up, and and I know they they were doing it to raise the stakes and all that, and I do understand that, but. How much more loss can Gibbs take before he just before he just he, he just he, he drops off? I mean, like right now he's still Abby's rock, but and and he's still Ducky's best friend, and he's you know and he's still um, he's still Leon Vance's most trusted. Employee, in. but if he keeps losing people, he is going to just. He's going down deep end. Yes, and it's going to be hard, and it's going to be like we, you know, this guy was literally the father and the older brother or little brother. And if you look at, you know, um, Ducky, Ducky and him, they might as well be big brother, little brother, and stuff like that. It is a situation of we might have to put this man down because he's become a threat. Because and he would be. He would. He would literally just like say, "No, screw it. I try to do it y'all's way. I've had well over twenty-five by this time, or almost thirty years of having to do stuff. You know, by the book. I keep losing people and so forth. And like I said, don't touch Abby. Let Abby, the girl who plays Abby, decide she wants to leave the show and they kill her off. That's it. Game over. He will never ever be the kids that we knew. No. That's, no. That, that, that's his. That's his true kryptonite. That's his Achilles heel. Chill off, Abby. Um, Tim, maybe the other new people he hasn't had that much of a rapport with. You know, what's yeah, funny is, I keep saying, I hope the show, God forbid something ever happens to um, uh, the guy that plays Ducky, David, David McCallum. Yeah, if, awesome. if anything ever happens to him, like the actor, because he's, I mean, he's not old, but I'm just saying he's getting, and you know, he could... He's already 80-something now, man. Oh, shit, is he? Oh, I thought he was a little younger than that, but he, if he has... He's not well, but he's, he's, he, let's say as much, he and Stanley, uh, we find out later on that they're on their way on the outs, outs, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, like I said, if the actor dies, the show will go, it'll go on without Ducky. And yeah. and if if be, if what's his name this time? It'll be uh, his uh, Palmer. Yeah, it'll be Palmer. Palmer, and that's the thing. What I loved about it with Palmer is this: 
Palmer is like the funnier version of Dinozo, but he also has the mind of Ducky. But and we saw this when um, when Gibbs decided to go and retire and live with uh, Mike Franks and so forth, and we saw that he, he gave um, he gave Dinozo um, his uh, badge, and he pretty much says, "All right, man, the team's yours. Do what you gotta do." What Palmer was to Dinozo is what uh, Ducky has always been against. His second pair of eyes. It's yep. a man who gives him perspective. So, yes, the guy is annoying as hell. I love Palmer, but there are times I'm saying, <coughs> Palmer, you're digging out. Yeah, shut him. up. Cisco. Yeah, go sit down. Go sit down. Sit down. Right. If, when the time comes and, he, and the rubber meets the road, he will focus and he will say, okay, this is what I see. This is what we have to do. He will. He will transition into being. He will grow into being a less yes. less of a goofball and more of Ducky when he was in his prime. Um, but if if so, I think to myself. Well, I kind of hope that that when he died, that that the show will already have ended. This way, they don't have to deal with that. But but if they do, okay. Yeah, I think Mark Harmon, he's the one character that if it wouldn't... If he just decided, you know what, season 15 is it for me, I'm done, good. You know what you do? Cancel the show. I never watched Bones. I've never... Or, 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 excuse me, um, canceled. I've never seen it. But from what I understand... After what eight years? When when the main actress, when she told him, "This is it. This is my last season." Didn't they cancel it right after that because that's they're that's like, that's 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 "It's not going to work." Lot, yeah, there's a lot of craziness even going with that series because with that one, we find out that the two main characters who we thought, "Man, they must really be good friends" or whatever, they actually absolutely towards the end hate each other. They, you know, they were like in different, you know. Uh, Dress rooms and stuff like that, different, you know, oh, wow. and whatever. Oh yeah, it was bad. It, it got bad. I mean, Nathan must have really, really messed up to screw up the relationship he had with with Stana and Kadet because I'm sorry, she's drop dead gorgeous, and you are not married. You have got to be on your piece of cute place. So whatever the hell you did, you need to come to Jesus and he need to fix that. And I think if he had a we would have had a season nine of Castle, but things by that time were too far gone. And things like this, I think with, with uh, Nathan, Nathan has realized that he's becoming our generation's William Shatner. Um, <laughs> yeah, he really is. <laughs> so he really is. Right now, get a little serious, but at the same time, times ran out. And that's the reason why when people say, will we ever be able to see Firefly, he's going to um, the absolute truth. No, we won't. No. Uh, you know what? Everybody on to do their thing and like I said I would love to see a bunch of web series or a bunch of web episodes to see what happens what eventually happens to my kids on the Firefly I would love it but even I've grown to the realization that we've had well over shoot 2003 was the last time we saw those knuckleheads yeah I mean actually, actually we saw them a little later when we saw them in Serenity Serenity was kind of like their swan song we lost Wash. And that's the thing with me, really. I love Josh Whedon. He's a genius. But this man needs to understand this. You do not show off 
your beloved characters because you want to have stakes. No, it, it's bad it's enough that he killed Shepard Book. And then an hour later, then you kill Wash? Why? The guy has a history of doing this in all his shows, and he did the same thing with Quicksilver and Age of Ultron. It's like, I wanted to sit butt down and say, okay, I understand. Your atheist, your objective, objection is whatever, you see everything and objects and motions and so on like that, I understand. But dude... Well, it's to the point where when you're watching his show, you're waiting for somebody to die. You know it's going to happen. And look, I love Firefly, but after all these years, all these people saying, bring back Firefly, after all these years, I let it go. If they brought it back, if they rebooted it, if they decided we're going to give you a 13-episode second season of Firefly after all this time... It, whether whether Whedon was directly involved or whether he was produ- or whatever, whether he was directing every episode, do you guys really think after all this time that it's gonna feel like the same show? It's really, really not. It's gonna be flat because everybody has moved on. They've moved on. Shepard Book, if he was still on, would move on. Help. Dan Adam Baldwin would milk it like crazy because he ain't got nothing else to do. No, he hasn't done anything since Chuck. And and the whole time he was on Chuck, he was trying to play Jane, but but he he really he couldn't. But and then like I said, so how could they be able to function? I mean, how they tried to bring the girl Summer Cloud, who I love. From you know, from now entire series, and they put her on um, the show that I wish they never canceled, Alphas. And by the time they get to it, they do, it, and then they kill off her character, and not just that, they kill off everybody else. Oh, nice! I never watched it. Now I'm not encouraged to. Don't believe me, man. Don't, because like I said, it was it was great going into it, but that's the thing. I realized something. Sci-Fi Channel stopped giving a crap. They, when they started bringing in Sharknado that, no 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 I've watched Sharknado oh. I've never Sharknado. seen it I, I just no 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 no. that's the thing if you look on Sharknado as sea going pulp with a little bit of comedy you can stomach it believe me bro I just I, if you go on it on a level of oh man this is so ridiculous sharks being in tornadoes and so forth you're not going to get the jump. And like I said, it's about those, and maybe because on some level I'm like a fanfic writer and stuff like that, so I'm able to get the tones of it, but it is definitely not for everybody, but me and one of my good friends who's a writer, Derek Ferguson, Derek was the first one that said, I love this stuff. And people are looking at him like he's crazy, like even on Facebook, he says, I am not going to, I'm going to draw a line right here. This is it. I love Sharknado and so far. So I eventually saw it on the on uh, Hulu. I watched all three movies before the fourth movie. The fourth movie still has been uh, picked up on Hulu. And I watched it. And I'm seeing it from Ian Zaring and uh, Terry. It well, was completely balls to walls nuts. I haven't watched it yet, but that's because I'm waiting for them to make the make the final one so I can watch them all on Netflix in a weekend. You can watch the whole entire thing. And believe me, brother, you'll see it and you'll see like, oh, dear God, this is... Completely and totally ridiculous. Oh, I love some stupid ass movies. Um, this is, uh, like this I. Is beyond ridiculous, and but at the same time, it's this. As crazy as it is, as ridiculous as it is, if you look at it from a narrative standpoint, the shit start making too much sense. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
oh dear God. I mean, and that's the thing. You see, Hollywood has this tendency to give bad guys ideas that they should be given. Um, and when I look at Sharknado, I look at it exactly as that. It's like, do we really, really want to say that there's a possibility of taking sharks from the Pacific and putting them in a funnel? And if they're still breathing and they try to kill us and eat us, that we would do this. And I know it's like, oh, come on, man. Are you serious? I'm very serious. Because, like I said, there was a time when a lot of people didn't think that we would ever get to space, and yet here we are going to space. So, like I said, whatever the mind can conceive, all it takes is time, pressure, and patience to make it all happen. And, like I said, and that's exactly in full force with um, Sharknado. You look at it and say, huh. As ridiculous as that is, you're realizing kind of works. But wouldn't, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be a natural disaster killer that any type of evil, evil organization out there could use and so forth? And people say, "Oh, come on, it couldn't even." Yeah, yeah. Because, like I said, they you know, but that's the thing. It you know, it suspends your disbelief at the same time. It has to make you think, and that's the one thing about NCIS. NCIS gets into, into real world too much stuff that doesn't need to be shown out there like oh wouldn't it be interesting if this happened and then later on down the line we're dealing with this shit in real life and I'm saying we never should have put it out there to begin with um, you got to really really think about some of the stuff especially if you're doing procedurals you really really got to think about the content that you're releasing because it ain't just American citizens that are watching this stuff um, and a lot of people they really got to understand that and like and, but getting back and really all back in. NCIS, I give it maybe another year or so before it's dust. And that's just the original series, but everything else because, it, you know, I, and they got to stop this. ABC, CBS, and NBC have just got to make good series. They need to stop with this procedural or who's sleeping with who or, you know, all this other crap. Yes, I understand that we're still the generation of the baby boomers who grew up with the soap operas and the crazy nonsense like Dallas and stuff like that. And I enjoyed it too growing up. But at the same time, it's like, come on. I understand you like your drama, but give us something better. Give us no. something that we can need for our generation and our kids to actually enjoy. Because I'm telling you right now, as it goes right now for simply ABC, if any Hollywood murder or scandal or Dancing with the Stars or some reality TV nonsense. They've got nothing to actually hold themselves up at. Right now, Ages of Shield could go. Blackish could go. All those nonsense comedies could go right now in a second. And if they lose Grey's Anatomy, How to Get with Murder, Scandal, and Quantico, they're out the door. There's, it, it might as well be a variety channel like the game shows that you see like on the game show network or whatever because that's pretty much what you'll have you'll have Shark the Shark Tank which I rarely watch you'll have Dancing with the Stars it will be literally on that level so they have to create better content they have to create content that will last because I'm sorry if I see another season of Grey's Anatomy next year I'm done with ABC <laughs> Um, I'm done. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not ever going to tune in because one, I'm already prepping myself for the possibility that Age of the Shield is going off this year. Not pretty as sure it is. That, I... As much as that pains me, as much as I love my love Colson and the rest of them, uh, 
I see that, you know, it, the writing is on the wall. Oh, yeah. They're not. came in and did what she did, I said, the writing's on the wall. Yeah, there's no way. Hey, you know what? If, 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 if they announce uh, a fifth season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it is going to be one of those, it's going to be a shortened season of like 10 episodes to tie yeah. it up. There's no way in hell this thing's getting another 22 episode season. It's Look, I... are not even making the numbers and it's got nothing to do with... It's got a lot to do with the direction and like I said, I love Jed and Marissa and I always will, but they have got to get better writers. Here's my... When they announced... I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a S.H.I.E.L.D. fanatic and when they announced the show... Nobody was more excited than me because I thought, well, you might have been the only person that was more excited than me. Yeah, yeah, me and you, me and you were like, uh, we were about to go up to the damn mountain, man. Yeah, I, 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 I was screaming on the rooftop. Yeah, Everybody, the shield, wa- yeah. The shield, and yep. what we got, man, was not what we were expecting. No, here's the thing. I a procedural with super science and super tech like James Bond level but for for the longest for the longest time I watched it I was dedicated I there was never a, there was never a week where I said oh I don't want to watch it okay I know it had a lot of haters early on I ignore the haters cuz you know what angry fanboys are are they they complain about everything they they talk a lot they say nothing and I don't care about any of that I just remember my girlfriend and I were watching it, and she watched the first episode and said, "This is what you were excited about." I'm like, eh, "It'll get better. It'll get better. It's a pilot. It'll get better." And then the second episode was, "All right, I admit that was that was bad. That was real bad." Uh, it, um, it was like the only good thing about it was that uh, Colonel, that uh, that uh, South American Colonel, you know, who was on that thing because she be told. There was nothing in it. And it was a 084. I was like, okay. Oh, yeah, it's a special item. And the item looks like a rock, a pile of rocket launcher, you know, souped up rocket launcher that they found in the cave. I'm saying, are you serious? Are you serious that this thing here is doing what you say it's doing? You couldn't give me something like a virus that like opened up a wormhole or did something, but you got me this. And so I got to say, okay. We're yeah. seeing the team be built and whatever. Okay, I'm gonna keep it. Well, I remember. Doesn't get better for me until turn, turn, turn. Once turn, turn, turn happens, and Ward becomes the war that we have to deal with. That was when the series got better. But they still was able to put in certain characters. I said, "Well, did you have to get the actor for that character? Did you really have to?" But I'm saying, you know, I'm gonna go with it. And the only thing for me that saved it for the first season was the. Was uh, Nick Fury and Maria Hill every once in a while come in? Yeah. Well, and trying to figure out what was going on with Coulson. When I, I remember after a few episodes, she she gave up all the other. She's like, "That's it." She said, "You watch it." I'm done. She's like, "These people are." She said, "They're they're they're all bland. They're all boring. I don't know what they're talking about. I don't care." I remember there was an episode where Sky infiltrated this thing, and and I I and I just thought after I think it was third or fourth episode, I think it was the fourth episode. I'm watching, I'm watching one day, and I'm like, this is just what the hell are they trying to do? And then there was the episode where Simmons got that 
that thing, that virus thing, and yeah, the, the, the electrical static. That, uh, that yeah, that was really throw herself out the plane, and then we'll have to come together. Yeah, that was that. that was the first episode where I where I felt like okay, this isn't. I remember saying this is not the Shield show I wanted, but it was an uptick. I'm like, oh, all of a sudden these characters start sort of started coming into their own. Look, I always liked Fitz and Simmons. But I yeah, I started to think, oh, well, you know, there there's that was the first time that I saw Ward and I said, Oh wait, this guy's not just he's not just styrofoam. He's actually gonna you know, it, it was it was cool to watch. But then the season goes Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing I tell people this there are two major sins with Ward. One, they never should have turned. He never said that Hydra. No. Nope. That's the thing. Every time I see Ward, I see a Jim Steranko, Nick Fury as character on the on the small screen. He was lost for the first few episodes. I know they said. I know they said he, they they only told him a couple episodes before that they were gonna, and he was shocked. And and of course he would have been because. I know they said, "Oh, well, we were we were we were keeping it on the down low. We were playing it safe until we could show the movie." No, you weren't. No, the hell you weren't. You're not. They gonna... didn't have a roadmap. They did not. And I nope. think when you see when you watch it on Netflix right now, if you have a person who said, "I want to see Chill from the beginning," you realize they didn't have an actual. No, nope. I will never. No, nobody working on that show could ever convince me that they ever had any of that planned. That was that they was playing all that shit by ear, man. They that, were, and the sad part is, is that they have since been able to have people misremember or try to create paint a different way, but they did. Yep, they said they said all along they were trying to they were setting Sky up to become Daisy. Bull bullshit, bullshit. No, 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 no. And that's the thing. It, that happened when they had to do the actual second season. One second season came, they probably said, okay, we survived first season, we had to get something there. We have, we got Nick Fury coming in there, Samuel Jackson, he gave us a bigot. We got, you know, Bill Paxton doing his crazy stuff. We survived. You know what? Bill Paxton and plays a good nut job, and that character was fun. See, here's the thing. My very favorite actor in the entire world, in the history of the entire world, is Samuel L. Jackson. When they got him to play Nick Fury in these movies, I was all about it. Nobody could have been more excited because my favorite comic book character was now being played by my favorite actor, just like what happened in the comics, and and I was and I was ecstatic. But he shows up twice in the episode, or in that second episode, he was the he was on the tag scene, and that was the only good part of it. And then at the end, he shows up just to give Coulson the directorship, which was great, but it was like you've had a whole season and you bring in Nick Fury at the end to to sort of, and then they never bring him back. I know, he, he wasn't the director, but then yeah, they say, oh, we're always planning with the Ward thing. And I have a theory about, uh, about the whole uh, Fury-Coulson thing, and it goes back to almost like, you know, even um, societies what I mean by this is that I always thought that Paulson was always meant to be a decoy director all along. That Fury always remained director, but Fury was all hunting down, hide the cells, and were by the cells and so forth with his own group. But he needed 
chill to almost be incubated underneath a uh, Colson. So that's why he gave, and that's the thing. I don't think that that toolbox, that you know, that square thing that he gave. Oh no, yeah, oh yeah. I think that that was a duplicate copy that did, that was not the original toolbox. I mean, that that was a toolbox only given to Colson. Uh, to be able to build his version of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it was never going to be the version of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because oh, interesting. Because, because Fury is S.H.I.E.L.D., but S.H.I.E.L.D. is in the dark, and that's the thing. We now have a situation now where we got the S.H.I.E.L.D. of the secret underneath Fury while he's running and doing his thing, whether it's being underneath the Howling Commando Company that uh, was featured in Secret Warriors when Jonathan Hickman did his run. Or, can we also have the Jeffrey Mace um, show that decided to do his relaunch as of the third episode, uh, Uprising, and so forth. Which, you know, if you know anything about Jeffrey Mace, he was the third Captain America um, that took over after um, William Maslin, who was the spirit of 76, uh, was killed uh, protecting um, then Senator John F. Kennedy from assassination. Oh, interesting. So you have, oh yeah, you go back to the, like the 1940s, late 40s, early 50s comics. It's all there. Of course, they ain't called the senators back then, Kennedy. But you look at the way they drew them, you realize who they were doing. But you had Jeffrey Mason. If, if, if you saw the uh, third episode, or the second episode, where it, the Meet the Boss. Oh, yeah. Where, they were saying that Steve Rogers was the one that they wanted to be director of S.H.I.E.L.D., but after the events of uh, Captain America Civil War, that was not a possibility, so they brought in Jeffrey Mace. But where they changed Jeffrey Mace is, is that Jeffrey Mace is not inhuman, which I find very, very intriguing, because for me, I see a possibility with his character being not just Jeffrey Mace, but another uh, Tommy comic character by the name of John Steele, who was a soldier of fortune, who uh, was who's kind of like America's first super soldier because he fought during the First World War and then got these abilities and then he got captured by the Nazis who put him in stasis and then he got uh, liberated due to an actual uh, bombing raid orchestrated by Nick Fury and one of his friends uh, before he became a member of the Howling Commandos and so forth and this happened before America's first entry into a uh, World War II, which could be found in the uh, comic, the Marvels Project, and so this guy is going around killing, like you know, in Glorious Bastards, killing Nazis and so forth. And um, it is, it'd be interesting if they made that tie-in that not only is Jeffrey Mace, the Patriot from those old comics, that guy, but he's also John Steele, who's actually back during the war, he was one of those heroes or anti-heroes who was going around bringing the fight to the Nazis and any other, you know, Axis powers during that war. And then he goes back to the States, goes under another name, maybe even takes over for the real, for the for the actual Jeffrey Mace who might have died, and then he becomes the Jeffrey Mace that we see now. I mean, they could pull that off, but Jed and Marissa would have to have enough comics knowledge in their head and know how to place it properly to make that happen. And they might. They might. But you know what? Here's the thing. Is I like the show, but I'm... I'm, I'm and it, despite its ups and downs and its hiccups and its strange, like, you know what? My favorite dynamic on the show 
was when uh, was when um, Hunter and Colson were on screen together because oh, Nick Blood and and Clark Gregg together were a magical duo. And I remember saying to myself, if they decided to ditch half the cast and they they made them the main characters and they kept Fitz and Simmons on uh, just for the... I would have been... Uh, and or, 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 or if if they had decided that Coulson and Hunter would be the main characters, and then you'd have Fitz and Mac as as the as the supporting characters, and then they had Simmons there as sort of the um, the uh, the anchor, then then that would have been fun and interesting and then they got rid of Nick Blood and and it sucks because they wrote him off the show in anticipation of that thing that didn't get picked up and now they said oh he won't be back and it sucks because he was great but despite all of this this stuff you know what I'm at a point and I got to this point last season when I, I stopped reading news about the show because I just for so long they were always announcing guest stars and these 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 big people, and I stopped doing it because I realized after uh, a few episodes in the last season, when they had what's her name that that she was, you know she she was Colson's girlfriend there for a little bit, Rosalind whatever the hell. She she was a great character, and then after a few episodes. They shot her. They killed her. And it was at that point... I was hoping like crazy, because in the first episode, when they showed her dossier, and they showed all these different names, I'm saying, wouldn't it be interesting if Gideon Mallet had his own LMD, and they all looked like Constance Zimmer, you know, and that if you had him killing, you know, war like he did, and then later on you see a bob head... Uh, woman who looked just like Roz, Rosalind Price, and then guess what? It's not her. It's some other person who looks exactly like her, and that's still operating. And it broke my heart because I'm saying, okay, I understand these people have a lot of aliases, but wouldn't it be interesting? And also, like I said, I had too many, too many um, expectations and assumptions and you know theories for last season that never ever panned out. Nope. Like, in I fact, that, I was hoping that while I was seeing, while I was like, for instance, with a situation with Simmons, that all of this was leading to Zodiac, you know, and it didn't happen. I was expecting like... No, they went off in a completely different direction. And we were thinking about, because I mean, I was looking at, I was looking at constellations and stuff. I said, this guy, Zodiac, written all over the hell. I mean, what the hell? Talk about an ancient organization of S.H.I.E.L.D. that... You know, believe in the Hydra inhuman guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is Zodiac. This call it fucking Zodiac. You know, and that's not what happened. No, nope, instead, was you... ancient, you know, sect of Hydra. Might as well will be like a religious, you know, cult sect of Hydra that believed in bringing back this guy. And I'm saying, I mean, I was looking at all the evidence. It's like, this is all Zodiac. Back in the 1990s, they got, uh, What's her name? Simmons, uh, space boyfriend out there with, you know, Project Pathfinder or whatever. And I'm saying to myself, well, hell, they're setting up not just that, hell, they're setting up the Black Knight satellite, which possibly means we're going to get talking Black Knight from the Marvel 
time at the University of Colorado. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dane, Dane, what's his name, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Will, yeah, what was his name? Will. He said, oh, we gotta go say Will. And then we find out we get Will, but Will ain't Will no more. And then that sluggish, nasty thing goes in the ward after, you know, Colson chose him. And then we gotta deal with him. And so for me, when the season finale came, it was a breath of fresh air for me because I said, great. Brett and Dalton, Brett, no, Brett Dalton, who I've loved ever since the time he got in there, specifically from the first episode where he's knocking, he's kicking people's ass in um, Germany and so forth before he gets airlifted and taken back to Shield headquarters. I said, great, but I'm saying it was a wasted, wasted opportunity not to make this guy a true hero or anti hero. I was kind of hoping at one point that he was going to don the, 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 the guise of U.S. agent. Thank you, or something. I mean, because I'm saying to myself, you're wasting this guy by making him literally the angel of... That's what he was. He was pretty much angel without being angel of the uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. That's all he was. You know what? Time he I just said... David Bordianis did this, and he did it fucking better. Oh, yeah. And he did it a couple times, and every time it was better. You know what? I'm saying... For the general audiences, for the people that had been bitching about season, that that had been bitching about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. all the way through the first season, and they loved the Grant Ward turn because they said, oh, they finally did something unpredictable. But for me as the fan, I was disappointed because... Again, they never set it up, and and all of a sudden, and then you know, and then, like I said, I stopped reading news. I stopped reading casting news, and cause I remember before the second season started. Oh, Lucy Lawson is gonna guest star. You killed her off in the first episode. First Are you episode. kidding me? And then we get a flashback scene of how the other shield got formed. I'm saying the other other shield, yeah. Dear God, just to stop this, you're wasting Edward James almost. Yeah, thank you. A few episodes. A few episodes. Like Admiral Adama from Battlestar Galactic right now. I mean, every time he was on board, I was expecting, you know, for him to say, so say we all. Every time. And it, it just got ridiculous because I'm saying, fine, I get it. After the fall of S.H.I.E.L.D., you would have... You would have certain members of S.H.I.E.L.D. that would have been crossed with Fury and how he ran things, crossed with the infiltration of Hydra, and they would have done their own thing. Fine, fair enough. But they wouldn't have gone to that damn links. No, I was going to say... Of having a S.H.I.E.L.D. civil war. Yeah, we didn't need... The first half of, you know... Yeah, we didn't need an enemy S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, It was like... We got a bigger situation here, but that's the thing. It's all anticipation. It's all expectation, and like I said, as much as I love this the series, the series as a whole, and I love it for what it is, I realize that I what see it now my could be dropped off. They just dropped the hell off. And I'm saying, well, just give us some time; it'll get to it. I stopped being that person that said, uh, "Give us some time." Don't get me wrong; I will love it, and hell, I even got a damn Facebook group called the Other Agents of Shield that not just loves that, but it loves everything Shield. And, you know, one of my, you know, fellow administrators, Patrick Ryan, he still is involved with it, and I love it, but at the same time as this, they had so many opportunities, J.D., to write the ship, and they didn't. 
do it because they figure, oh, we know best, and we're going to take this thing. And in a history, when this is all said and done, Jen and Marissa are going to have to hear from everybody and say, you guys could do this better. I understand your viewpoint, but that's the case. Then you should have just made it small. Say that you should have made Colson director of Shield. He should have just stayed like that damn team leader of this small segment of Shield while he answered to somebody else. And don't get me wrong, with that episode in season two, where he is literally like Godfather style, Godfather one, taking out the Hydra members and stuff like that after the death of Trip and stuff like that, that was him at his most vicious. And, mm -hmm. and it was great. But, but after that, man, it was like, all right, okay. The administrative director shield, okay? He's drawn by emotion. He's going crazy when somebody goes after his surrogate daughter, Daisy. He has issues with the real father, you know, played by Tom McLaughlin, with you in the scenery. And stuff like that. Yeah, he was so and much fun, though. He really was, man. But that, they wasted him. And even Jolene, man. Jolene, I'm sorry, Jolene. Jolene. She was just. I'm like. I was gonna say you get you get you get Deitch and Lachman in there to completely waste her in in. This is awful. It, it's it's just, just so dollhouse, man. I love. See, I used to get excited about the guest stars on the show, but then I realized, and a lot of times, and I, okay, it, it, I used to say that every time, every half season, Agents of Shield would become a different show. And it's almost like they get these people on, and they have all these characters going, and I, I always feel like the show has attention deficit disorder. It's like they get <clears throat> they get these great actors to play these cool characters, and they don't know what to do with them. So after a few episodes, maybe a half a dozen, you just you just ditch them. You, you, you either kill them off, or you find some other way to send them off because you don't know how to maintain. It, the, it, it, you're right. It is. You get Lucy Lawless on. She's there for an episode. You kill her. You get uh, you get um, Kyle McLaughlin on, and he's a great, fun character. He's only in half the episodes. Um, you get, uh, like you said, Edward James Olmos. He is a great A actor, and you get him in for a few episodes, and then you kill him. And then you get Powers fucking Booth on, and then you. He's a, he's set up to be a major villain, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, in a completely anticlimactic fashion, you just killed him. You get you you get you get you know who's a great villain? He started out a great villain, Daniel Whitehall, and then you literally killed him off with no ceremony, no build up at all. He was shot once, and then I think he, made he was almost like comedic because. He gets shot in the back, and then you get Hyde, who loses his shit, and says, I was supposed to kill him. He killed Marla. And then you get Hyde literally beating Colson within an inch of his life. And even though it's vicious, there's this, this level of slapstick humor involved. It's like, hey, I killed the bad guy. I thought you'd be happy. And then Colson's literally getting, you know, roughed up and tossed like a rag doll. And you're like saying, Am I seeing this? Yep. Am I seeing what I'm seeing here? It's because like you killed the bad guy off, and the other guy's pissed off at you, and, and this is, it's not a serious conflict. 
It's like, are you kidding me? And then, of course, what really pissed me off about last, about season two, was that season where pretty much Polly just decides just to get all of the D, if not F, list characters. And they meet up at this stadium in Minnesota, and it is the most pathetic damn fight ever. It's and then, on top of that, nobody, none of them, except for Hyde, ever showed up again. You didn't kill him off. You get Angar the Screamer, and he's there for one episode. He screams twice, never shows up again. Uh, you know, you get that chick that was a, a daredevil villain, and she's there. I mean, you get, you get fucking... Andrea D'Amato. She was... Beautiful woman. Look at how great she was on The Sopranos. Look at what she did on Sons of Anarchy. And you get her in one episode to play a chick with exacto blades for hands, and then she never shows up again. Okay, and here's the ultimate. You get Pat Oswalt in there to play this mystery character where... They're supposedly brothers, but you realize there's a there's a few of them rolling around, and you get the the ongoing joke with Trip where he says, "Oh, you know, there's more of us, and there's a few," but you never really resolve it. And then he's there, and then he's gone for six episodes, and he's there for two episodes, and then all of a sudden he disappears and never shows up again. Nobody ever refers to him again. Oh, oh, don't get me started on the Pat Oswalt character because they took a character that has this roots to the. Um, Sergeant Fury and the Howling Commandos. Koenig was one of Fury's right-hand men in the Howling Commandos in that series. And they make him this possible LMD, possible multiple twins, uh, cracking jokes type person. And that's the thing. It's about reappropriation of characters and renaming them and stuff like that. But DC has done well, but Marvel has pretty much just thrown the rule book out. They just don't care no more. Nope. See, I like see, I like Pat Oswald as a comedian. And I've seen him in other things as an actor, and he's pretty good. I like I said, I liked what they were sort of doing where he was sort of maybe an LMD, maybe it was something else, but they dropped it and they never and see I, I wasn't aware. I wasn't aware that Kenny was from the comics until I read it later. And that's the thing. When people... And this is the thing. Colson really even shouldn't exist. You know what Colson's real name should be? If you really think about it in context from the comics... Sitwell? Yes. Sitwell. Yep, he's Jasper Sitwell. Bill Colson didn't exist. And this is the thing that really gets me too. They had a possibility, even the comics, when they brought in Bill Colson... To actually say that the Phil Coulson that is in the comments or in the Phil Coulson we have now is the spot is the son of the guy who escorted Nick Fury to the helicarrier in Strange Tales 135. Because if you look at Strange Tales 135, there is a Coulson kind of character in there who is there to make sure that Nick Fury gets his LDs made so they can be decoys. Well, Hydra agents kill them off. He puts them in the actual Porsche, and then he gets them to the helicarrier. If you look at the character in Strange Tales 135, and I would highly recommend it because it is a good insular uh, story, just by 
just that one that one issue alone because not only does it up shield I mean, it's just a damn good story because you're asking yourself why is everybody trying to kill Fury why is everybody trying to kill Fury and then you finally figure out but that character who was exploring him could easily have been Coulson's dad but no they go in and say oh yeah Coulson's dad was a was a uh, Minnesota you know football coach who died when Coulson died and it affected him and so forth so I said fine but why did Fury pick Coulson of all the knuckleheads that he could have ever had become his like right hand man in shield what was so special about Coulson now I have a running theory that Coulson was possibly on his mother's side the grandson of Chester Phillips that's right the same Chester Phillips from um, Tommy Lee Jones yeah yeah, he's still skinny. Exactly. I was thinking he gets back from the war. He's director of Shield. He does his thing. We never find out the final fate of Chester. For all we know, Hydra had him killed, just like he had, just like they had Howard and Maria Stark killed, and so forth. You know. Huh, good point. But you don't ever find out what happened. So wouldn't it be interesting is if one of Chester uh, Phillips' proteges was Nick Fury, or maybe Nick Fury's own father, because I'm sorry, maybe Nick Fury, the one we know was Samuel Jackson, could have been in World War II, but I highly doubt that. More likely, we're going with a Nick Fury, Nick Fury Jr. scenario here, man, where we might actually have a classic Nick Fury, but we'll never ever see him. And instead of him being the leader of the Highland Commandos, he would go that the, uh, to, um, Captain America to be maybe he was like that always has Wentworth's guy who actually went into Germany and so forth uh, and he started you know wasting you know Germans and Italians and so forth and then he comes back and he becomes director of S.H.I.E.L.D. after maybe two or three other you know directors after um, Chester you know Phillips and so forth but why you know why Colson so I said you know what if his father ain't that guy who was exploring the original Fury in that comic, then let's just say that he's the grandson of Chester Phillips. That's the reason why everybody loved, you know, Colson and took him under their wing. They expected so much from him was because he was Phillips' grandson and so forth. But, of course, they're never going to do that because Jan and Mercy don't have that much um, instinct or, you know, imagination to even make that connection. Well, you know what's funny is, see... I'll, see, I'm a huge Colson fan. I'm a massive Colson fan because he's Clark Gregg. I was a big fan of Clark Gregg long before that. So when he showed up and he introduced himself as Colson, I do know that in the original script or when they were writing it, he was just supposed to be a secret agent. Later on, when they were shooting it, they said, well, why don't we make it S.H.I.E.L.D. and just put an Easter egg in there? Because at the time, they thought, well, this might, this might be the only Marvel movie we get if this thing doesn't work. So they said, well, we'll throw S.H.I.E.L.D. in as a, as a nod, and, and that'll be that'll be good. But see, I loved, I love Clark Gregg. So seeing him as Coulson, and then watching him grow through those movies, and then watching him completely nerd out, um, uh, uh, when, when, when he saw Captain America. Yeah, and he basically says, oh, sign my trading cards, and, you know, he, he's got this. I got and then, the original set. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I cried. I, I outright cried in the theater when 
Loki killed him because I didn't realize it was going to happen. I should have because, again, we didn't. But I didn't realize, and it was so tragic. And then I was excited when they announced Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because, again, S.H.I.E.L.D., yay, we're getting a series about the spy organization, and, oh, my God, they're bringing Coulson back. Whatever they're going to do with him, I don't care. Maybe I was was of the mind that because the cards were all bloody and they said they found them in the locker, I... I, I was hoping that that maybe uh, Nick Fury was pulling a Nick Fury and he was hiding Coulson and that they faked the whole thing. I, that would have been okay. I was fine with the way they did it, sort of, ish. Um, it, it, you know, it was what it was. But the, I was a big fan. Man, yeah, they could have made him somebody else. But I'm, I'm sort of, I'm sort of biased for Coulson because it's funny because now. My son, he's three and a half, but when we were looking for names for him, when when she was that, we were throwing out all kinds of names, and I actually said to her, and I was mostly serious, and she knew that, but but I, afterwards, I, I tried to play it off. I said, well, what if you pick whatever first name you want, as long as his middle name can be Colson? And she's like, she's like, are you actually saying this thing, or... Was that in your head, and you just spoke it out loud? I'm like, no, I meant, and she's like, next. I'm like, okay. So, yeah, but, you know, so I was, but I, I, and I was a fan, and he was, a, and, and, you know, he, and it was sad when he died, and then unexpectedly he came back, and look, I still like the character, but he has been so up and down. Yeah, but the thing is this, is that, they, you know, I hate to say this, is that they took the, they took the same model of the Mission Impossible under Tom Cruise, and they applied it with this because almost every character, other than Fury, is a character that could possibly be Hydra. That, I mean, hell, if they ever brought in Contessa Valentina, you know, Allegra de Fontaine, you know, yeah. Fury, main squeeze, she might be Hydra because. They, you know, for them, they're saying, well, these characters are ancient. We can do pretty much anything with them. They don't understand that these characters were benchmark. These characters were the original, you know. If Marvel ever had his own Mission Impossible team, it was S.H.I.E.L.D. It was S.H.I.E.L.D. It was Gum Gum Dugan. It was Gabe Jones. It was Jasper Sitwell. It was Jimmy Woo. It was Contessa, you know, Dante, Delator, Fontaine. It was... All these people who they were the founders of the shield that we grew and grew up with. My first comic that I ever read was Captain America 351, where uh, John Walker, the uh, Captain America of the 80s, relinquished his shield and his costume to uh, Steve Rogers, who back then was the captain who I think might be making a return when we head towards Infinity War, but that's a theory for right now. Um, but he gave it back, and then he, so far, he's like shot, uh, and everybody's trying to find the uh, assassin of John Walker. We later find the series that John Walker has left stage and he comes back as a U.S. agent and so forth. But throughout all that stuff, you know the characters that mattered to me the most? It wasn't Steve Rogers. It wasn't his hunt to find uh, Walker's killer. It was Nick Fury, Dum Dum Dugan, um, Dave Jones, and Peggy Carter. And 
they were just mopping up everything that happened when Nick Fury had to go up against S.H.I.E.L.D. and decommission it after the LMD revolt and so forth. And so you got Nick Fury going everywhere around the world, going to other bases and shutting bases down so that when the time comes for S.H.I.E.L.D. to be ready, the tools, the technology, the weapons will not fall into enemy hands. And that story was more interesting to me than that. So that was my full introduction into the world of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that was 1989, man. It was a comic that was lying around in my fourth grade class with my uh, fourth grade teacher where we didn't have recess outside because it was raining or allow us to read comic books. And so one of my classmates brought in that comic. I read it and I fell in love with everything S.H.I.E.L.D. And I was 10 years old, man, 10 years old. And here I am, 37 years old. That's 27 years. And I'm saying, you couldn't give me something on that level. Nope. I was going to say, we're in the fourth season of, of a show called Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And we still haven't got the spy organization. <clears throat> We've gotten episodes where... Where 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 they go? Yeah, they do spying stuff. They go undercover. They wear disguises, but it always ends up being some goofy ass thing, like Colson doing that goofy dance with May. Um, yeah, we still. Where's my spy thing? I mean, really, the most spyish thing they've done is is. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, you had you had uh, Bobby Morse. She was posing as Hydra, um, and 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 you had. Um, and you had, uh, um, you know, you, you had Simmons who was posing as Hydra, um, and then you had, uh, um, um, oh, I'm having a brain fart, but you know, you got, but yeah, we've never had the spy tree. we've never had the, 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 well, we had a few gadgets here and there, but... Tony Stark did all the gadget stuff in the... The episodes that I think of when it says, like, like true spy stuff that happened, I look at I Spy versus with the uh, protege for uh, Coulson. Oh, that's right, with the with the cybernetic guy, yeah. Which was a... Which we might as well have been telegraphing that we were going to get Deathlock. And we eventually did. We get uh, that, we get turn, turn, turn. So we have episodes, but it's mostly... Okay, we gotta stop. First, it was we gotta stop uh, the clairvoyant, and I, it broke me, man, when I found that the clairvoyant was not going to be Armzola from the Winter Soldier. Oh, God, no shit. You know what? They set it up for 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 it to be that damn computer program, and it turned out to be. And then it's John Garrett. I'm saying, are you kidding me? Not just because the, we share the same damn last name, man, but oh yeah, John Garrett, <laughs> a beast. John Garrett was a beast during uh, in the lead up towards Nick Fury uh, versus Shield in the 1980s, man. You know, and of course, the Nick, you know, he looked like let's say but he looked like if you were to merge uh, Tom Selleck and and um, Sam Elliott from uh, the 1980s and stuff like that. You know, with the bushy uh, mustache, you know, the uh, hair and stuff like that and so forth, and getting a sports car. That was who John Garrett was in the comics. And now here he is. Oh, I'm Hydra. So I'm seeing a pattern here where Jeff said, well, 
played, you know, by a good actor. They said, oh, I'm Hydra. Uh, Alexander Pierce, oh, I'm Hydra. Uh, Kane, I was expecting to, say, to, to actually pull a, you know, a pistol to uh, Coulson, you know, when they were actually looking for that. So I said, oh, yeah, you thought you were safe, but I'm Hydra, too. Because that seems to be what these guys have done. They said, oh, yeah, we know these are classy characters, but we're going to make them bad guys. No different than what happened in Mission Impossible, where they made Jim Phelps the big bad guy. Yeah, that was some horse shit, too. I was like, and even Peter Graves and Greg Morris, God bless them, said, this is horse shit. This is, these guys are, you know, they're like the untouchables in Spider Crap. They are not going to betray, you know, their people. They're not going to betray. That will be the last. They will kill themselves before they do that. And here we got, you know, that happening. You know what I'm saying? Well, how could that happen? So for me, I started making theories about what really happened that go back to even the first Mission Impossible and so forth that I might share later on in another podcast because I know we are definitely running possibly over time right now. Hey, I was but, just thinking to myself, um, we need to do a sequel to this conversation. Yeah, yeah we do, we do, buddy, because this is good. Um, but man, it's a uh, it, it, it's like let these characters be their characters. There's no reason that Alexander Pierce could have been renamed somebody else. Hell, you could have named him the uh, second uh, guy who was the uh, who became the Red Skull. You know that uh, the character in the 1980s and so forth. That was what a lot of people were expecting. They were expecting Alexander Pierce. Who the only time we saw him on the screen was when he was. One of the uh, the um, agents working under David Hasselhoff, Nick Fury, in that you know TV movie. Oh yeah. So I enjoyed because I realized, oh my god, this might be the closest I get to see uh, somebody who did. Because I, I do, I do, I think that David Hasselhoff had too much fun playing that character, but it was just that it was too soon. It was too soon. Well, and then later on, you get Bill Paxton to go in and play that same goofy role. Because um, you know what, I like Bill. I I like Bill Paxton when he's playing Bill Paxton. And the problem was he played John Garrett as Bill Paxton. Paxton, and that's not who John Garrett is, man. Um, John Garrett's like John Garrett is like I said, he is a beast, and you know, with plans, with their plans, with their plans. So and funny because they got that right. I love. I love the movie Twister, where Bill, oh, where Bill Paxton plays Bill Paxton, but yeah, then... I love them in True Lies. And True Lies, if, if there oh. was ever oh, fuck a, yeah. a true life action sequel to what could happen to Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D., S.H.I.E.L.D. becomes Omega Sector. And then you got Charles oh, Heston as Nick Fury. And you got, you know, Harry Tasker as, you know... Uh, later on, so they, but they kind of call it so they really call it Mega Sector. But that was Shield. That was nothing but Shield. That was Muscle Bound Terminator Shield. And I even had a theory. If you ever go, I have a website. If you want to go to, it's called uh, Luke Speculations. Uh, you can get there by www.garrettlukewordpress.com, and it is nothing but crossovers uh, that is possible. And for me, I'm a big Terminator fan from way back. I remember in 1986 when I used to watch it on HBO. That was like one of the only few R-rated movies my dad would allow us to watch that. Predator. Um, 
Kiyo-Rash see parts of uh, Total Recall, but then you have to choose away, specifically, you know, with some of the sex scenes like that, but um, he would bring his back, but when I saw uh, True Lies, and then I saw Terminator, I said, okay, now these both take place around the same time, because Terminator 2 was set in 1995, so I'm saying, huh, wouldn't it be interesting if the Terminator meant to be that universe's version of the Black Mountain Boys. With the diary or something. They went completely and totally ancient crazy. And so you have Perry Tasker from True Line being the model for the Terminators that we see that go all the way back to 1984. You know? So I'm saying, this is it. This was like literally their fail safe. And Skynet was used as a Omega Sector um, threat assessment, you know, AI system to be able to fight everything that, you know, couldn't, you know, be um, predicted and so forth. But they gave it to an AI that's always, always a threat, you know. It wasn't just terrorists and third world countries, you know, with dictators and, you know, the, in the, you know, the Far East or, you know, even Russia. It was, you guys all got to go, just like Ultron. So I'm saying, okay, how could this have happened? So I'm saying, okay, yeah, they made an actual mode, and so... When Judgment Day was happening, there's no reason, you know, there's no, um, you, you have to look at it as, maybe this was like a big boo-boo, uh, Omega Sector part, but they changed all of that when you had Terminator 3, the rise of the machine, because it becomes an Air Force project, you know, and so forth. And so we see how all of that goes, you know, to hell soon after. And I don't you know, don't get me wrong, I like Nick Stahl, but Nick Stahl was very, very, very miscast as... Josh. It was goofy. It was like I can't take you serious, man. They couldn't have gotten Eric. I know, I know Edward Furlong would possibly doped up or whatever, but you could have brought him back, or you could have brought somebody else that was a more believable John Connor. And then you get uh, the girl, you know, Claire Danes play Kate Brewster. Um, I have to say this, but it took Terminator Salvation for me to actually give a damn about those characters. And a lot of people give a lot of, you know, crazy crap towards Terminator Salvation, but that was the only way we were going to get a Terminator possibly evolving into the Matrix situation because remember that scene where you had John Connor uh, in the uh, water and then you had that uh, squid-like Terminator trying to go after him? Oh, yeah. It might remind you of a Sentinel from the first Matrix movie. Oh, yeah. Totally. So, like they so ripped I, it I, off. Okay, what would happen if Skynet won the war? But they realized, oh, we killed the humans, but we need to actually have a uh, uh, heat source to be able to survive. Oh yeah, let's clone them now and let's put them in pods and so forth. And so there we go from Terminator to Matrix. And it's not that far of a leap, really, because that's all these, and the things that this, all these stories about machines, um, being uh, go after humans go pretty much from a story that a black lady made back in the 1970s and they have only finally given her her just dues um, so this is pretty much like I said I use crossovers to be able to find the original story but getting back to it I see True Lies is pretty much nothing but an extension of S.H.I.E.L.D. I remember my dad was watching it with me before he passed and he said man every time I watch this I always think about it Maybe this is what eventually becomes a Nick Fury. This is what becomes a shield. This is what becomes the world. And it was just there. So I said, okay, let's take it in early. Let's add in the Terminator aspect. 
but let's just say that things really went ter terribly wrong. And what would happen if Harry Tasker and his family survived, and they become the founding members of TechCom that John Connor eventually takes over, and they become his Q uh, military unit for the resistance, since he, by this time, is the resistance. So when we see him with those goggles, you know, you know, looking at, you know, looking out there and seeing what's going on during the war, maybe it, maybe we've got, you know, an older, you know, Harry Tasker or maybe even Dana Tasker who uh, is doing the tech work in the background, making the machines needed to have to take down, you know, the Terminator because, hey, you know, Omega Sector is the reason why they exist. Yeah, but like I said, man, it's just... It's fun for me to do these type of, you know, commonalities and stuff. And it makes it more interesting. It makes people want to go watch these movies and see them differently. But, like I said, hopefully with Jeffrey Mason or whatever, they get this thing going. But I hate to say this. When, when you bring in a person like Jason O'Mara into a series, usually you're asking for that series to get canceled. There's nothing against the actor. I have no idea who he is. I'm not, I don't think I've ever seen him in anything else. He was in a series called Life, called Life on Mars, which was a translation of the uh, British Life on Mars, which, since uh, me and you are both Doctor Who fans, Life on Mars is kind of like a spinoff of Doctor Who. Oh, okay. But, but it was told from like the 1970s, uh, kind of like a Serpico type uh, scenario where you see this... Uh, police detective go through crazy, you know, happenings and stuff like that. Well, they did an American version that starred Jason O'Meara, and guess what? The series gets canceled. Almost every series that this actor who played Jeffrey Mace goes on, the series eventually gets canceled. That poor guy. Yeah, it is, because he's a good guy, but I don't know if the guy just constantly is either being put in place so that he's there when the series gets canceled, or it's just his energy, but... When I heard about that, I said, yep, Agent Show is going bye-bye. And maybe the president of ABC knew that, and that's why he was fasted. And what have you, even though I think that maybe Jed and Melissa just wanted him to get a second win. But I have to ask that question, because what is the future of Agent Shield past season four? Because right now, everybody is talking about Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider. And... I'll say, we've never gotten a spy show that we're getting, but uh, yeah, that we wanted, but hey, characters. yeah, we're getting the Ghost Rider show that we didn't realize it would become. Exactly. And like I said, and to be told, man... I know you mentioned your website, but where can they find you on Facebook and tell them about some of the groups you're in? Yeah, they can find me on uh, Facebook at uh, Lucas Garrett. Um, you can find me. I have the, uh, my old you know, uniform that I used to wear in 2000. 
Yeah, thanks for coming on. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you back as uh, as soon as we can arrange the schedule again. Very good, very good. All right, buddy. I'm calling it off. Um, I'm gonna see you later. Okay. All right. Take it easy. Bye. Right,